Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the Spotlight here on Fightful. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined, as always, by Steven Jensen. Jensen, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. Doing all right. Just getting a start to the day. Got some kind of bad allergies going this morning, but outside of that, can't really complain. Looking forward to a... uh, a good day at work on the shoot job. Looking forward to talking to you about some wrestling. Um, I probably won't be going to Terminus tonight. That's in Atlanta, but I got to work a little bit late tonight. I don't think I'll make it out, but I'm going to watch the show on uh, on Fight TV if I can't make it out to the show. So we'll probably talk about that a little bit next week. Then I'm hoping to get the Battle Slam next Thursday because that's already coming up the following Thursday. So hopefully I get to go to some live wrestling soon. Couldn't go to Dynamite last night either because of the shoot job. So like I've been missing some live wrestling, but the trade-off has been, has been solid. So it's, it is what it is. I was disappointed for you that you were not able to go to dynamite last night. Cause I know it was relatively close to where yeah. you were. And I, I thought I was like, I feel like Jensen's going to go to this, but then when you didn't say anything, I was like, I don't think he is going to go to this. I feel like yeah. you would have said something and been hyped about it. So I'm sorry. You did not get to go to dynamite last night. Uh, you got allergies cause you are allergic to the bullshit that <laughs> AEW produced last night and that main event. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was uh yeah, we're definitely gonna talk about that. Um but yeah, it was just one of those things where it was like by the time I got off work, I mean I didn't have tickets to begin with because I, I anticipated not being able to go, but it was like I was doing the math in my head and I was like at best I would get there like right around the second hour of dynamite. And I was like by that yeah, point I might as well just watch it at home, you know. Yeah, you missed um, way too much by that point. Yeah. You could have seen Rampage in the rap battle, though. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. I always forget that they do Rampage right after. Um, Obviously, I know they do Dark beforehand. Shout out to Baron Black. Got a W last night. Wow, spoiler. You're out here spoiling Dark Elevation, Steven Jensen. I thought that was pretty... I mean, it's pretty out there. Like, he's been tweeting about it. Sean's been tweeting about it. Like, I mean, like, it's pretty All of out them there. are spoiling. Baron Black spoiling his own match. Sean's spoiling it. Yeah. All of you guys are spoiling it. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, let me handle some some business on the business end here. Uh, I said I was going to do Painmaker last week, oh, right. but then Alex Pulowski did it on last night's show, and I didn't want to look like I was just ripping off his bit. And also, I was not a fan of that match, as we'll get to here in a second, and I'm not going to pay homage to that nonsense because I was not happy with it. But the main reason is Pulowski did it on the post-Dynamite show last night, and I didn't want to... 
like do back to back kind of the same bit with, with Alex. Uh, so that's why I did not go in full pain maker regalia here tonight. Uh, you can send your, or today, you can send your super chats, your humper chats, like our pal JJ who leaves us a humper chat. He's at the cinema right now. He's hanging out with his friends, but he's still, even though he's not here live, still left us a humper chat. So hold on my favorite big star, King of the End, King of the Indies Watcher. Sorry, not going to be live today. Hope you're doing well. My spotlight is none other than T Jeff Jarrett, smartest man in wrestling. Much love to both of you. We will talk about Jeff Jarrett a little bit later on. In our creator spotlight a little bit later on, we have Megabyte Ronnie. Megabyte Ronnie, this interview rolled. We taped it on Tuesday as we typically do. Megabyte Ronnie has competed on AEW Dark. He is a pro wrestler, also a competitive eater. He was in the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest uh, this year. He's, he does a bunch of other eating contests around the uh, Major League Eating Circuit. Just a tremendous interview. I, I love, I always, I never know what to expect with some of these interviews. Steven Jensen, especially when you pick him, when you're like, hey, mm-hmm. let, let's let's get this guy on the show. And we talked about Megabyte Ronnie the other week when we talked about the hot dog eating contest. And I just threw out there, you think we can get him on the show? And then we did. But I never know what to expect with this kind of stuff. I like having various people on from various parts of the wrestling world. Megabyte Ronnie fucking ruled, man. I'm excited for everybody to listen to this interview. I hope you guys enjoy that later on. Yeah, yeah, he was great. You guys are going to really enjoy that. You know, as I as I often say, you know, when it comes to like American heroes, American patriotism, it's it's the vets and then the guys who compete in the Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest on the Fourth of July, and he's both. So he's um yeah. I mean this this was a um this was a great interview. You guys are going to really really enjoy it. I think we talk a lot about competitive eating. We talk a lot about pro wrestling. Both roles overlapping. I got to nerd out about some uh, eaters that I watch on YouTube that Ronnie was familiar with, and he was friends with some of these guys. So it was, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that interview. I think you guys are going to really like it. Jensen, let's get into it. You want to start at AEW or WWE this week? Um, leave it. That's up to up you. To you. Uh, you want it to me? I'll, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll start. Uh, no, let's start. Let's start AEW this week because I think we started WWE last week. I think. All right, here we go, everybody. AEW. Uh, over a million fans uh, and a great number in the demo tuned in. And it was a great show, and I think it's been a run of great shows. Don't think it was a great show <laughs> last night, Stephen Jensen. It wasn't bad. I won't be hyperbolic about it. It wasn't a bad show or anything. But that main event, Jensen, the barbed wire everywhere. Chris Jericho, Eddie Kingston wasn't good. It was not a good main event. I thought it lacked real intensity that they needed for one, that type of match two that feud that has been going on pretty much all year. And it, it lacked the intensity. I didn't like the finish. I didn't like Jericho winning. It was too hokey and goofy with all of the, oh, let's lower the shark cage. They couldn't get the key. Here comes the oh Blackpool Combat Club. There's Sammy. Too much going on. It should have just been about Eddie and Jericho. I thought it was the wrong structure. I didn't think it was well worked. Uh, and that's not a, not a, not really a knock on, on the competitors, but sort of. I didn't think they played into the stipulation well enough. I didn't like the winner. I don't think Jericho should have won. They used the gimmick at the end where he got thrown into the spider web. The crowd didn't care at all. Eddie's just sitting there. They got to stop with this barbed wire stuff. They did barbed wire exploding death match, and that was a dud. Yeah. This was a dud. Cut the barbed wire out. No more barbed wire in AEW. What would you think of this match? <laughs> Yeah, I mean this. This definitely, unfortunately, this whole thing kind of like 
underwhelmed, didn't, did not uh, reach or exceed expectations, unfortunately. I'm a big Jericho guy, people know that. Um, but, and I'm a big Kingston guy as well. You know, I'm a big fan of both these guys. And it's just weird because this whole feud kind of got booked backwards, it feels like. Like, Kingston should have beat Jericho by submission last night to wrap the feud up. But he beat him by submission the first time they wrestled. And one of my favorite matches of the year so far. I love that Jericho-Kingston one-on-one match where Kingston beat him with a stretch form. Yeah, that was awesome. And, um, but... And then it's like it's just it just been kind of strange um the way that it, it all went down because I think the rest of the feud has been great with like kind of the gang warfare and the blood and guts match and all that like they the rest of it was good. It's just if they were gonna do it this way, they probably should have had Jericho beat Kingston when they went one on one, and then Kingston gets the win back here, and then it's done with and they all move on. The problem I have with last night is it felt like it was done, but it also doesn't. Like it feels yeah. like you know, it feels like the two groups are still going at each other. Sam Guevara cost. I mean, the listener is going to kind of pivot to like Guevara versus uh, Kingston, which is possible, but that's still pretty much group versus group at that point. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, and then, and then it was unfortunate The you know, after the match, like it was just weird. It was like, they didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. Like Eddie throws like a spinning back fist that like doesn't hit anyone. And then like, they're kind of like walking into each other and, it was just a, it was just bizarre kind of seeing it all go down the way it did. Then when he threw him into the spider web, like you said, of the, of the barbed wire on the outside, and the crowd just didn't respond. And then, like, the commentary was just like, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week on Dynamite. It was just like, like, what just happened? And the only thing I can compare it to, it wasn't as bad as this, but it just reminds you of the kind of stuff, of like the exploding barbed wire, like you mentioned before, like at the end of that match where, like, it was a literal dud. You know, just like, oh, my God, like, damn. Damn, they could have just stopped. Like it, it's one of those things that's just kind of disappointing, unfortunately, because I like both guys so much. The shark cage thing was cheesy. Not not the idea of the shark cage. And I get the time with Shark Week and all that stuff, but like the fact that they were able to just get out of the cage, like they just like slipped yeah. through the bars. And here's one more thing. I'm just gonna say this. This is the most obvious thing in the world. I'm sure every wrestling fan thinks it. Because this happens every time. Whenever there's a, a, a lock and key involved, it's like for whatever reason they can't they just can't execute that. Like it doesn't matter if it's Ty Conti, doesn't matter if it's Mark Henry, doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 Paul it, Heyman, Paul yeah, Paul Heyman. Oh yeah, with the Roman Reigns thing, yeah. where you couldn't get it. It was like a not, was that like a last man standing match too, and yeah. they're like trying not to count because like they can't get the thing off. It's like you would have you figured that they would be practicing and super sure okay we got the right key we got the right lock we've practiced doing this a bunch of times doing it quick so that this doesn't happen live it seems to happen every fucking time live i don't understand how that keeps happening um so that's a little disappointing too she changed was, the keys excalibur did like try to try and be like oh you changed the keys yeah. it's like uh try. I mean, you're trying yeah at least he Shout tried but in reality she couldn't open it and they kept they kept changing cameras and stuff because they wanted to not be focused on her not opening the the thing but then it was so goofy to me how they just got out it just slid out and i was like oh okay so they could just got out the entire time like i know that they're up a little bit higher before but the, the whole idea of like they weren't even trapped to begin with because they could just slide out of those things it was just goofy um so anyway it, di- it just didn't come across great you know this was this was nothing like um, and this isn't, I'm not putting blame on anybody, by the way, but I'm just saying, like, this was nothing like Jericho versus um, Nick Gage. Like, that ruled. 
Like that was like exactly what you wanted out of like a death match on on AEW yeah. television. Like that they executed that flawlessly in my opinion. With this, it just didn't work, and it's disappointing. And 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 it leaves Kingston in a weird spot because they they're trying to they're trying to frame this like he's now won the feud because he threw Jericho into the spider web. But in reality, he lost the match, so it doesn't really make him look good at the end of the day. So it, I I think it was I honestly think the entire thing was kind of productive last night. Uh, A-Shock mentioned barbed wire explosion was not their fault. It wasn't, but True. it was on their television. And, you know, that's how it came across on, on TV at the pay-per-view. So they get well, incorrectly or correctly, like they get, they get the blame for that. Like that's how it came across. That's how it remembered, whether it's their fault or not. And it wasn't, it was the company that they hired and everything, but you know, that, that was the lasting memory and it's on AEW or it's, associated with aew the the same thing with this i do think this was just bad booking i do like the the timing yeah you mentioned that after the uh after the match things were way off with kingston guevara and jericho i don't know what they were trying to do but it it didn't look good and then eddie tossed them into the spider web and nobody cared and yeah they tried to frame it as like oh eddie won maybe eddie does like the Foley thing of I remember that Foley and uh, Edge from WrestleMania, where Foley like wanted his WrestleMania moment, wanted his WrestleMania victory and stuff. He lost that match to Edge, but he, they framed it as like, "Oh, I got my moment because I put you through hell in that match when we went through the the flaming table and everything." Like I saw the fear in your eyes. I don't remember the exact promo, but I remember he he cut this promo of like, "I won because I got that moment that I was seeking." Maybe that's how Eddie tries to frame this of like, I made you bleed. That's all I cared about. I don't care about wins and losses. Like I just wanted to hurt you. I wanted to put you through hell. You got taken out on a stretcher. Look how maimed your body is. Maybe that's how they, they try to save this. But the way the crowd reacted when he threw them in the, the spider web, it's going to be tough to save. And Eddie Kingston is certainly good enough to do it. So is Chris Jericho. But that reaction was so bad because no one actually thought Eddie won this thing. People want to see Eddie Kingston win. Like they want to see him win these matches when he actually beat Jericho at revolution, huge pop for that. People want to just see Eddie Kingston reach the top of the mountain because the story is he's this big loser. Like he, right. he's just, he's good, but not great. He's never going to win a title. Never, never going to, you know, be at the pinnacle of the sport. People want to see Eddie Kingston win. They don't want to see him just kind of like stand tall. And that's sort of what happened last night. He was sitting on the ring apron, but they want to see him win. And he didn't win last night. And that's the lasting memory people are going to have is that he lost this match. Chris Jericho won. And even though Eddie Kingston stood tall, whatever, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't do him too many favors. Again, Eddie Kingston is brilliant. On the microphone, I don't know if there's anybody better than him. The next program that he does, whatever it is, it seems like maybe they're going to Guevara. He's going to talk himself into the, this match. He's going to he's gonna make it seem like a big deal. It's going to be a big deal because he's that good on the microphone. But at some point, they got to give us the satisfying Eddie Kingston victory. And they did it at Revolution. And then for some reason, they didn't do it last night even though they 100% should have because I don't know what Jer- Jericho certainly doesn't need this win like he doesn't need to he doesn't need this victory Jericho can do whatever and be fine he's Chris Jericho it, it's okay Eddie Kingston kind of just needed this moment it felt like it was Eddie Kingston's time last night 
and he didn't get it. And I, I don't like this about AEW. This is a big criticism I have of the company is like, they, they say wins and losses matter. And to an extent they do, but, and this is a, a credit to the talent being so good at talking, but you see a lot of these guys, they lose a lot of these big matches and then they still have big matches. Like when they try to sell me on, Oh, Marina Shafir is 22 and two. Like all I do is see her lose. Okay. Right. I, I don't care mm-hmm. if she beats a bunch of Nova. Eddie Kingston, when they try to sell me and again, Eddie Kingston, brilliant. But when they try to sell me of like, Hey, this guy, like big match for Eddie Kingston is like, all I do is see this guy lose these big matches. Wins and losses do matter in AEW, certainly more than they do in WWE. But a lot of these guys lose big matches that they try to sell are still in like big match positions. And that gets a little frustrating for me sure and i and i think everything you're saying <clears throat> is totally valid and i agree with you about a lot of this that's hoping for me who you know i'm admittedly i'm a huge AEW mark like i love the company i thought the rest of the show last night was pretty pretty damn good it but was. like you know but it's yeah no i i agree with what you're saying i mean it's just it's just disappointing um how it was executed unfortunately um and i also think whether people like it or not and obviously once again i'm a big jericho fan but even i'm okay to to like recognize when certain things are working and certain things aren't like when Jericho, um, like I just think that in AEW, most of these long, these long-term stories that Jericho is a part of, I just don't think he's going to lose at the end of the day, like, like lose the, the, the big match at the end of the feud in most of these situations. Like he lost to orange Cassidy and like that, that, orange yeah he took a thing. bump into like orange right. cassidy didn't pin him he just right. took a bump into a pool exactly exactly but he beat him the other times they wrestled and then yeah. you had like um the mjf thing where mjf beat him but then like jericho at the end of the day got the win like it seems kind of the same thing with kingston like it seems like it seems like these long stories for jericho like at the end of it he's he's and i and honestly i don't know I don't know who to blame or like if it's bad or not. My, my thing is like specifically more so with Kingston in this scenario, because it's like, I just don't think this does anything for Kingston to ultimately lose this at the end of the day. Like it doesn't like this didn't wind up elevating him with, with orange Cassidy, even though it was a bump into a punch bowl or whatever, orange juice, orange mimosas, whatever they called that. Um, he still got a win at the end of the thing. And it was like, okay, orange Cassidy, he has a win over Jericho. We can take him legitimately as a, as a main event level guy. And then ever since then, he's just killed it. Like, and most recently, like the stuff with Osprey and stuff, I mean, just awesome. And like, I think that some of that stuff like really did help orange Cassidy and his perception of the company going from like a complete comedy wrestler to being taken a little more, a little more seriously. Um, the MJF Jericho feud, I, I liked a lot as well. But I think MJF ultimately should have won that feud for like the same reasons I think M- that uh, Kingston should have ultimately won this feud um, because Jericho is a made man regardless. He's he's a superstar. He's a legend. He's one of the best of all time, in my opinion. And he's like he's a big reason why AEW uh, was so successful at the beginning of the company. Like they people underestimate, I think, sometimes how important it was for them to get him when that company started, because, you know, you had Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks who were big stars, but more like internationally and more like an indie level in the States. And then, and of course like big in new Japan and big in ring of honor and those kind of things. But like, but, and you had Cody who was a former WWE star, but wasn't like a WWE main eventer and like had to really prove himself and rebuild himself on the Indies. So like, that was like the core group when AEW started hangman page was, was pretty unproven in like the mainstream eye. So when they locked in Jericho, it was like, Oh, this is real. 
like they got a Chris Jericho on here. Like, and, and so I think he means a lot to this company and the success of the, the early success of the company. But at this point in the game, it's okay for Jericho to lose these feuds. Like it's not going to hurt Jericho. He's going to be just fine. He's still Chris Jericho. And someone like Eddie Kingston really needs to be winning this kind of stuff at the end of the day to elevate him, especially when he's surrounded by all these winners. Like it's like Eddie Kingston best friends with John Moxley and teaming with Brian Danielson and so on and so forth. But like, he keeps losing when it matters. It feels like, but the other guys are like succeeding. Um, so I'll say this, if it's him for Sammy Guevara next, he absolutely has to win that feud against Guevara. Like no, no doubt about it. But, um, but yeah, so it's just disappointing. I thought the rest of this feud has been really good between the two and between the combat club and, and the Jericho appreciation society. I just think last night it just the execution wasn't good. Um, and the it was booked, uh, it was booked backwards, in my opinion. And it's real unfortunate when a guy like Eddie Kingston throws Chris Jericho into a, a spider web a barbed wire and just nobody even responds. Like that's not good. So stop doing the barbed wire matches, Tony Khan. Ain't working. It's a good yeah. concept on paper, but sure. for some reason, and one reason was not on them. Last night's reason was on them because it was bad booking. Uh, Chris Jericho winning and then deflating the cloud. Though just the the layout, the whole layout of that match just didn't didn't work. Yeah, uh, yeah, it didn't work for me last night. Didn't work for me, brother. I, I am a little concerned. We're we're about to get Chris Jericho and John Moxley because you know, Jericho's now beaten Kingston. He mentioned in the promo when he came out and interrupted Moxley and Tanahashi like. You know, why am I not getting that spot? They did the feud before the pandemic and everything. I'm, I'm, I think that's where we're headed because I don't know who else Moxley. I, I think Moxley's going to have a match, uh, a couple singles matches with Dax and Cash before CM Punk eventually comes back so they can do like a trios match. Um, assuming like Danielson's clear, but even not, you throw Yuta in there. Um, I think we're going to get Jericho and, and Moxley though as a holdover until Punk comes back. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I mean, and of course, like you said, pre-pandemic, like Moxley beat Jericho to win the title. Um, and they can play that kind of that story again where Jericho is now getting a title shot at that at the title that Moxley is now holding and stuff. I don't mind that I the idea of that. Like I'm fine with Jericho versus Moxley for the title. I'm just more my main my main concern with the whole thing, outside of the match just not just not clicking last night. It's just, it's the result for Kingston. Like, I just, that's my I, big I, thing. I, I will again say it is like Eddie Kingston is a good enough talker to where he can lose these matches and still talk people into the building. That's how good he is. But for fans like us and a lot of AEW fans, we want Eddie Kingston to actually win some of these matches so they don't keep going to the story of like, he just lost, he just lost, he just lost. Especially like, all right, you don't want to put the world title on him when he's feuding with John Moxley that's fine you don't want him to beat cm punk because you're heating up punk and, and he's about to win the title that's fine too like i understand losses like that losing to chris jericho and i, I guess maybe because jericho's going on to a world title program they didn't want jericho to lose but maybe don't book chris jericho into a world title program if that's going to be your placeholder until cm punk comes back maybe come up with a better solution than that so eddie kingston can win this feud yeah yeah i'm with you i'm with you i think we all kind of feel the same way about it you know it's like 
we all see Kingston as, I mean, here's the other thing too. Kingston's got so many years and bumps on him at this point in his career. Like now is the time. Like if you're going to do something big with him, like let's, let's do it. You know, like he's proven himself in AEW. He's super over. He's great at everything that he does. Um, it just, it just sucked that last night just didn't work, you know? And I think they're going to try to make up for it. Like I'm sure that Jericho and Kingston both recognize that it didn't come off how it was supposed to. Um, but once again, I don't want them to just keep going over and over and over through this. But at the same time, like I mentioned, Kingston versus Sambi seems kind of like an extension of Kingston versus Jericho. So like, I feel like this still isn't all over yet. So yeah. And then if they do Moxley and Jericho again, extension of Blackpool combat club and Jericho appreciation society. So we'll just, we'll just keep running this. I don't know how you go anarchy in the arena, blood and guts. They, they need the, the triple cage, uh, that WCW did. That's that's the next step for these two teams. Do the triple cage. Let Sammy Guevara take a big bump off of the the, the triple Chris cage. Chris Canyon style. Yeah, well, pat it more than Chris Canyon, right. so his career doesn't end. Um, <laughs> yes. but yeah, just do do a big bump off of that, and there there you go. That's how you end this feud, everybody. The the WCW triple. I don't want that. I don't want the uh um triple cage that they use for the Arquette gimmick. I want the triple cage they used for. Mega Ready Powers against Dungeon oh, of Doom. Oh. My favorite match of all time. I'll say it. I'll, I'll, I'll preach it to death. That's my favorite match of all time because it's so Love stupid that. and wacky. Uh, that's the match that I want. That triple cage. That's but, for, but for our age at that time when that happened, it was Rule. perfect. Yeah, yeah. like larger than life characters, cage. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you 100% uh other big happening last night your spotlight from aew this week steven jensen is jungle boy returned after being taken out by by christian uh, about a month ago on aew dynamite to, when christian turned on him jungle boy was back last night luchasaurus who had been aligned with christian just stepped aside let jungle boy go after christian christian fled he peaced out jungle boy stood there stood tall where you at on jungle boy's return you excited yeah, I like it. I like that he's back. He he looked like he might have a little bit more of like an edge to him a little bit too. Like came out kind of black and like the Space jacket and stuff. Yeah. You said edge. Oh, oh, oh I'm, no, I'm saying like he like he had, yeah, no, you know what I'm, what I'm saying. Yeah. No, oh, is I, that edging? Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like it. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> um, he seems to be a little more edgier now and he's going against uh going against uh christian it was funny the last night when like he was chasing christian like up up through the crowd and like he was catching him and you could tell him like christian was like yeah Yo, like slow down <laughs> um, but uh but no I, I i as good to see jungle boy back he got a, a big pop um you know you could you can tell since the beginning of aew they've wanted to make him a big single star and push him towards like the main event scene as a singles guy and this i think is a big step towards that like i think this return is going to really help propel him i i I can't imagine that he's going to lose the feud to Christian. Like I, I, I you know, I, yeah, I know you, I know you laughed back for everything we just said, but I really feel like jungle boy and Christian, they've had planned literally since the day that Christian signed with AEW and they've been slow burning this. And I apologize if y'all hear the rain, it's, it's raining kind of hard right now where I'm at. And if I, if, if my internet cuts off, that's why. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just cool. It was cool to see jungle boy back. Um, the Luchasaurus stuff, I, that's part of the reason why I wanted to make this my spotlight because that was a little strange because it's like, I, I like the, the swerve because I actually didn't see that coming where like Luchasaurus has stepped aside to let Jungle Boy after Christian. But part of me is also like, 
do, but like all like the nasty stuff you did to other people all these other weeks, like we're just supposed to forgive you because now you've helped create it was all a big scheme. It was all a big plan. And that's cool. I'm glad you helped Jungle Boy, but like if you're going the people you left in your wake. And I mean it's just the varsity <laughs> blondes. Uh if well, you're the going last few weeks, right? He's been like beating people right. up and stuff for Christian. So if you're going undercover, you gotta go, you gotta go in deep, like you gotta play the part. When it when it comes to going undercover, you can't just you know if you're an FBI agent, you're going undercover to infiltrate the the drug overlords and everything. You you might have to shoot a couple people. Like it, unfortunately, that's what you have to do to sell yourself that you're part of this group. So I didn't have I didn't have too much of an issue with. All right, he took out people for Christian because he was setting up Jungle Boy's return. That I'm fine with. I want to know the point of him going undercover for for christian and doing that and then like explain when christian is like oh i'll get you like remember marco like what did chris christian whisper to him to get him to turn to that point like that's what i need explained more more than oh okay why he did all this because once you're in then sure i understand the point of like laying everybody out i want to know why he decided i should do this in the first place why didn't he just sit there and you know take out christian like what did christian say to him and now how does christian be like well now i'm gonna do this to you i'm gonna get you fired like that's what i want to know uh coming out of this and for jungle boy i think he has a big promo on his hands because i don't think luchasaurus is going to be the one to explain all this i don't think he's gonna be talking or anything i think jungle boy has a big promo on his hand uh, you know, after everything Christian said about his family, the turn, the one-year relationship and everything, he's got a big promo coming up. And I don't know if it's going to be in the ring. I don't know if it's going to be head-to-head with Christian, but I mentioned this when the, the turn happened, is Christian can, he can run over people on the mic. And I don't think it's his intention, but if you're just not going to be able to keep up with him, he's just going to do it because he's that good on the microphone. He's not going to hold back. He's not going to pull back and make himself look as bad uh so jungle boy's got a big promo coming up and i want the stuff explained of what did christian say to luchasaurus to get him to the point that he's like oh okay i'll be on your side and then when jungle boy comes back i will step aside like i worked you and is there repercussion from luchasaurus or do they just like drop that and it's just like ah ha ha you got worked and whatever christian said doesn't matter and didn't have any bearing on anything and at that point again why did luchasaurus do it outside of just the work christian right no I, yeah yeah I, i'm interested i'm interested to see how they how they uh explain this as well like kai in the chat i think actually has a pretty good point uh it says uh luchasaurus was keeping the prey fresh so jungle boy could get that first bite some jungle gimmick stuff like that's actually <laughs> that's actually pretty logical reason right there actually fine with that. um yeah i'm fine with an explanation like that um, I did like Luchasaurus's turn, like like the original turn, like to make him a, a heel. And you know, I thought that that was interesting, and I thought it was a good way to maybe like wean him off of like the mask and maybe make him a little more serious as like not a dinosaur. But I but I like I like um Luchasaurus in the ring. Like I, I think that he's very talented. Um and I like him and Jungle Boy together. Like when when Luchasaurus first turned a uh, heel. I liked the idea of it, but I was also like, damn, him and Jungle Boy are like a great pair, though, on the show. Like, it kind of sucks that that's over. But it sounds like it isn't. Um, 
so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. The the promo stuff is is uh, is intriguing too, as you just mentioned, because Christian is is fantastic on the mic, especially when he's a heel. Like his his heel work on the microphone, the, the way he's just willing to just go places with people and to get that heat is it's it's entertaining to me as a wrestling fan. Um, Jungle Boy on the microphone, I'm glad you brought that up because that's going to be hit or miss, I think. I'd imagine he's been practicing this and like they, they know there's a lot of riding on his response to Christian when he finally gets on that mic and, and explains things. Um, but I don't think Jungle Boy is like the best guy in the mic. You know, he, 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 he comes across like, I don't really know how to explain it. Like almost, almost less emotional than he should be. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but he kind of like has like a monotone kind of one tone delivery and how he, how he talks. He seems authentic. Like he talks like how my friends talk to each other. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you sound like you, you just hear someone having like a real conversation the way that he talks. But when Christian's up there talking about the stuff he's talking about with his family and his dad and all this stuff, I feel like Jungle Boy's got to really get some passion out on this and like really, it really has to like bleed through the TV screen. Like, like you're the stuff you're saying pisses me off and it isn't cool. And what you did to me isn't cool. And like, I'm coming back to kick your ass. And like, this is, this isn't a joke to me. You know, like, and he's got to, he's got to, he's got to sell the fans that he's, he's going to kick Christian Cage's ass when they, when they get in the ring together. And I expect Jungle Boy to win the match, but I also expected Christian, or sorry, uh, uh, Kingston to, to beat Jericho. So who knows? But, um, but I am excited. Like, I, it was good to see Jungle Boy back. He looks good. Um, he's been, he's been primed for this kind of push for a long time. And I think this is a, a big step towards getting him where, where they want him to be as a singles guy eventually. Christian on the mic, especially as a heel, like you said, and the way he's been going after families. I mean, he's already referenced Jungle Boy's dad, Luke Perry. He's going to start just throwing out 90210 mm. references just to pop himself as well. He's going to bomb some cars. Like That's how uh, Luke Perry's dad died in, in the uh, in, in the series. He's going to bring up Brenda oh, Walsh. Really? Hold yes. on. In 90210, that character died because of a bomb? Uh, Luke Perry's dad in the movie, in the the movie, in the show. That's how he died. His car got bombed, but then he was under like witness protection. Uh, I don't. I don't this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time, but. The question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. 
It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with better help. That's betterhelp.com slash fightful. I remember like the whole thing. I, I actually like binge watched this the show like a few summers ago. Um but yeah, like the original Perry's... from like the nineties you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, okay, yeah, about yeah. The, the new one or whatever. My my um, my, my my mom loved nine oh two one oh when I was growing up. Like she was like her like, she was always watching that kind of stuff. I just never knew much about it. But she, <laughs> my mom my mom loved nine oh two one oh the only thing I knew about it was that Tiffany Amber Thiessen, Kelly Kapowski wound up on that show after Saved yes. by the Bell. That's all I really knew. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Dylan, Dylan McKay, that's who uh, Luke Perry played. His dad died from like a car bombing. But then, yeah, I think it was like he was under witness protection. Dylan McKay ends up marrying the daughter of the guy who bombed his dad's car, but he didn't know that that was his daughter. Uh, 90210 is some wild shit. All this is going to happen. They're going to turn this whole thing into a 90210 storyline. That's what we need. Uh, with with uh, Jungle Boy, Anna Jay's gonna be involved somehow. Christian's gonna come in and take her. She turned heel last night, mm-hmm. so she she's not a good person anymore. <laughs> Christian, Christian, and Sammy Guevara with Ty Conti and Anna Jay just doing dumb shit on television, making out in front of everybody. Tony Khan's just he's just booking nine hundred two one zero now. With this, that's thing. hilarious. AEW nine hundred two one zero. One also I wanted to bring up real. He quick, loves the nineties. And- that's that's all his hey. gimmicks. Hey, so do I. I respect it. I respect <laughs> it. It was just that was just a little like I was a little. We were both a little too young when that show was originally airing to like. Yeah, that's why it, I rewatched it a few summers yeah, ago. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Um, but uh, I know I just remember when I was younger, my mom when she would go t- take me to get haircuts, she would tell like the barber like, "Hey, make him look like." So and so, and she would always point like nine or two one zero characters and be like, "How their hair is like this." She would like use that as reference to like how to cut my hair for people. My mom loved that show. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up just because I don't want people to think that we, we had forgotten about this or that we weren't going to talk about it. We will talk about Kenny Omega returning once that's a little bit more like happening, but I wanted to throw that out there too. Like, I'm glad that there's talk about Kenny Omega coming back soon. Um, I actually just got this in the mail. Oh. Kenny Omega, one of 3,000 AEW nice. shop exclusive. Uh-huh. Nice. Good stuff. Um, Lance Davis says Marco Stunt still at the Peach Pit. That'd be great. Jungle Boy just walks into the Peach Pit. Marco oh Stunt just hanging out there. Hell yeah. Oh my God. I love that. I, I Marco got <laughs> done so dirty, like all the way around. Like, I'll never forgive them for not making an action figure for him. Like when, when they came out, listen, I love negative one and Brody Lee. Like, I think it's cool as hell what they're doing for that kid. And, and he got an action figure. But when I saw that, I was like, you made a negative one. You could have easily made a Marco stunt the same exact way and just thrown it in the two. Cause they made a, a, a jungle boy and Luchasaurus two pack. Yeah. And they could have easily put a Marco stunt in there and just didn't. And I always felt like he got just done so dirty because of that. But and then the way Jensen's just... biggest grudge, Jensen's biggest grudge against AEW is going to be not ever making a Marco stunt action figure. That hey, it, it bothered me. And then also, <laughs> you know, just the way that they kind of like transformed Marco stunt into Christian Cage, like uh, like as like a part of the the uh, Jurassic Express, was just very strange to me too. Where it was like, are we just all going to forget that Marco was doing this? And now, like, you know, and I like that it's been brought up more recently. Like Christian finally brought it up and stuff, but. Um, like I like Marco, you know, I was a big fan of him on the indies and he did a lot for like the Nashville wrestling scene and stuff when I was living there. So like, I, I like Marco a lot on like a personal level and 
I respect, I really respect where, where he's got in the, in the wrestling world. Um, but yeah, anyway, I just, that's always going to bother me because I remember uh, Jeremy Padauer from Jazzwares was tweeting out uh, teasers the day before that Jurassic Express two pack got dropped. And it was like, it was like dinosaur and like Jurassic, uh, Jurassic uh, Park type uh, stuff he was tweeting. And everyone was like, Jurassic Express three pack. Like, okay, okay, okay. And then, like, I was sitting there. They said what time it was going to drop the next day. So I was sitting there on my computer, hitting the refresh button, waiting for it to pop up on Ringside Collectibles, hitting refresh, hitting refresh, hitting refresh. Pops up, Jungle Boy, Luciosaurus 2-pack. And I was like, where's Marco? And then I went on Twitter, and Marco was like, Where's Marco? And Marco was like, oh, man. Like, because, like, Marco thought it was going to be him, too. Like, so he was like, oh, man. Like, I'm not even in it. Like. It's like damn, because I already had what's, Luchasaurus and a Jungle Boy from the from the regular series. So what's Marco stunned up to? Let's get Marco stunned on the show just to talk about him not getting an action figure. You want to try to get Marco on the show? I'll, I'll message Marco. Marco. Yeah, okay, we'll try to get Marco. Try to get Marco. I didn't care about the AEW right. Just like, why didn't you get an action figure? That's what we really want to know. I'm sure he'd like to talk about that. Yeah. Um. We're going to move on to, to the WWE spotlight, everybody. you want to be a professional wrestler or do you want to be a WWE superstar? You know, WWE superstar sounds a whole lot better to me than being a professional wrestler. Mm. <laughs> I love your reaction to it every time I play it. I did it because it just pops me and I knew it would just be like, oh, God, this, this asshole. Um <laughs> WWE maybe, maybe not going TV 14. Andrew Zarian of Mad Men said yeah. that July 18th, it was supposed to be the start of it. A memo got sent out by USA. Apparently they jumped the gun on it because it didn't happen. Then yesterday in the afternoon, Peacock listed SummerSlam as TV 14. But by the evening, SummerSlam was back to TV PG. Mm. Jensen, what are your thoughts if WWE actually goes through with TV 14? I don't ex- I don't anticipate much change regardless. Um, I feel like they kind of tested the waters on something similar when they started Raw Underground a couple years ago. When they, from the perspective of like it was like only during the nine to ten hour or sorry the ten to eleven hour the third hour of Raw um, Eastern time, but you know there was the idea of like underground fight club real fights not sports entertainment real fights and this is for like the 18 to 49 late at night third hour of raw fight club and that just that just didn't work that was just and then then they just you know it was like a fever dream where they were just never mentioned it again and we're just you know now they've all been repackaged to different characters and stuff and a lot of more yeah, the commander anymore. Aziz was ripping off dicks. That was when he was he great. Was, he was, he was. Um, probably the the, the biggest thing I've ever <laughs> tweeted, I think, off of my account was I, I edited together a raw underground tribute video uh the day that that uh it was announced that it was done. And I I clipped together like all the corny shit from from Raw Underground and like it, oh I'll I'll songs. send you a link. Yeah, it, it, I did I I did it with uh I did it to the song um Leave the memories alone from like oh, Ric Flair's yes. retirement. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I splice in a lot of uh, that was sick from uh, Shane McMahon, <laughs> like throughout it and stuff. Um, Sounds oh tremendous. yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link. But but that's um, every every October uh, since I I retweet that uh, that video and it's like um, so I'm I I I'm I was very much in tune to what was going on in Raw Underground. Um, 
as far as like the TV 14 though, it's like, I think, I mean, it gives them a little more leeway to do certain stuff. Like I think Cody will probably bleed in big matches. Um, maybe, uh, maybe the language will get a little bit more. They're going to say bitch more. Well, so here's, this kind of ties in with like my thing with beer because my, my spotlight is beer this week uh, (laughs) saying, saying boo. (laughs) And um, because it's funny because I didn't see anything on Raw. I didn't watch anything I had to do with Raw on Monday. Um, but I saw that on my timeline. I was like, right when I saw it, I clicked it and I immediately, Jeremy, this is my spotlight. Um, Steven Jensen's know, booking Veer against Stu Grayson to headline WrestleMania. Mm. Okay, so not ironically, I could see Stu Grayson and Mad Cat Moss one day though, but not, <laughs> but not Veer. Um, uh. so, but but if they're gonna go like may, maybe this is the gimmick. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is how we get PG. Maybe Veer just started with the boo, right? Like he just, he just boo. And then he starts laughing at himself. But like next week, he's like, bah. And then like the next week, he's like. did someone do that already? I don't know. And then the next week, he's like, crud. And then the next week, he's like, darn. And then like by the time we get like two months out, he's like, shit. And then they're like, TV 14. He said shit. You know what I mean? Like, um, like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I they'll get they'll get Ron Simmons. They'll get a Ron Simmons cameo. Like, Veer is about to say something. Ron Simmons says, "Damn!" And then Veer just looks at him, maybe kicks shit out of him. Uh, I like this. I'm all for this gimmick. I love it. He just keeps laughing at himself after he says it. Like that was part of the thing that was so funny to me about the Veer stuff was like he just says "boo." And then like there's no there's no response, and then he just starts laughing at himself. And I was like, "Who's who's this for? Like, like how's this help anybody?" But I also said, I don't know if I said it on this show or other podcasts I had done, but I definitely had talked about before, like during when all the veer is coming, like the all the veer is coming, like type of uh, when yeah. we all cross eyed and pissed off. I got Jim Cornette yeah. pissed off with that headline. Yeah. Like when they were doing that, I was like, I guarantee you, within within short months, it'll be just like the uh, the Funkasaurus or something like that, where like they will make this so goofy and and comedy based. And on Monday, that's pretty much what it looks like it's heading towards. Like, who who just says one word that makes no sense? They're and showing... just starts laughing at themselves. So he did he did an interview with uh, the Daily Star. And he's like, you know, we're showing different sides of the Veer character. Everyone see me be an ass kicker and be a beast and Mm. be mean. Now we're showing different sides. And he basically said, let it play out, which Uh. rules because, you know, they have no actual direction for it. But let it play out, Steven Jensen. Maybe, maybe it is going to where he says shit and Veer ushers in the TV 14 era. And he's the man who brings it back to prominence in the WWE. I I don't think the TV 14 means anything. I I think there's hesitancy because you slap that rating on there. And then even if your product doesn't change a lot, and I don't foresee WWE changing their product a lot. Maybe they drop a shit every now and again. Yeah, maybe Cody bleeds a little bit more. Uh otherwise, like they ain't changing, they ain't like they ain't going back to the attitude era. Okay. They're not doing all of that. So there's don't I wouldn't get your hopes up for any of that but they slapped the tv 14 on there to maybe attract more more teenagers and a little bit of an older demographic but that might hurt when it comes to the parental the parents being like well i'm not gonna let my kids watch this it's tv 14 so they gotta like balance 
making an edgier product, but still like maintaining a PG rating. So I think people know this. Um, like when it comes to rated R and rated PG 13 movies, like in a PG 13, uh, yeah, okay. when, when a, when a PG 13 movie, you can say fuck, you get one fuck in a PG 13 movie. It's, you know, that second one that boosts you to an R. So WWE is basically balancing, like, do we want to add that second fuck that's going to bring us from PG-13 to an R? Do we want to add that that first shit that's going to bring us from PG to TV-14? Like, that's what they're trying to balance is, like, it's not really going to change anything we do, but do we want to be able to say shit? And how is that going to affect the rest of us? Because there's a difference in fan base. There's a difference in moviegoers from PG-13 to, to rated R. There, there's an audience difference there. Even if you're only saying one extra fuck, your whole movie's the same, but do you want to add that just to attract a different fan base? So do they want to add shit to attract a different fan base? And that's what they got to figure out. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like 20 years ago in South Park. There was a big deal because they were the first yeah. TV show to say shit hey, on the cable. There. Shitty, shitty, bang, bang, <laughs> shitty, bang, bang. How do you do? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but it was so funny because like within the show, they said it like 140 times or however yeah. many times they said it. But like within the show, within the show, like the whole the whole episode was based around there was going to be a TV show that was going to say shit. And it was right. like, this big deal because it was it was so meta because South Park was actually doing that on the show as you were watching it. And it was the first TV show to really do that. And I'll never forget how it was so built up. And this reminds me of kind of like with Raw right now, because when they're watching it on South Park and they're waiting for someone to say shit finally on their TV screen, they're all anticipated about it. Guys like eating a sandwich or something and like the other guys like, I mean, you a little shit on your mouth. Like, yeah. that, like that's all it was you know like like i'm almost like expecting that for wwe we're waiting for like this big like deer to says shit in the microphone and you see like the little rating in like the corner of the screen change from pg to, to tv 14 like, like um i don't know he's gonna say me crab like, that was the word that was like one of the me crab or that was kyle mm. or Dude, that was uh the South Park episode. There's like the eight curse words, and meat crab was was one of them. <laughs> right. And Kyle's got sand in his vagina. Well, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> awesome. That's, that show is still funny to me. Like the those those uh those um uh streaming stuff. That's on yeah Paramount. the uh yeah. the Paramount Plus. I was trying to yeah. think of the streaming service. I have so many streaming services now. I can't yes. remember what's on what. But um, <laughs> but yeah. So TV fourteen for WWE. I'd like it to make the product a little more geared towards me. I, that'd be cool personally. Um, but I just don't really have high expectations for how they're going to execute this or how far they'll really go with any of this. Cause they do have to balance. I mean, they, they do want their, their kid audience still coming in and, and, you know, I think signing people like, uh, like Logan Paul and extending guys like Pat McAfee, like that's showing that they want more 18 to 49 because those are signings to me specifically for that kind of age demo. But um, I don't know how much it'll change the overall product. The unfortunate thing is, regardless of the rating, I don't think it could be rated R, it could be rated whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, like the writing's got to get way better. They got to stop yeah. doing DQ well, finishes all show. I mean, like, I mean, my my point is the problems that I have with with WWE and why I don't watch the show, but once a month on pay per view or premium live event, is <laughs> is 
you know, none of those problems necessarily are going to get fixed just because the rating has changed. Like they, they have a lot of things they need to change and the rating maybe gives them a little more leeway, but I don't think that like, it's just going to be a switch overnight. And like the show just gets great. Like just because the rating has changed. Like I, I, like I said, I, maybe you hear the word shit every now and then maybe someone bleeds a little bit more every now and then. But outside of that, I, I expect it to be pretty par for the course out of what we got for the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. I, I completely agree. I don't think anything's really going to change. And that's why I said that they just have to determine is the TV 14 worth it to based on the rating, try to attract a different audience, but not actually really changing their product to, to really cater to that audience that wants the TV 14 product. Oh, and we will see SummerSlam as of right now, I believe is, is TV PG. I mean, I'll, I'll look this up. Right now, uh, as of last night, like I looked it up during Dynamite because I had to um, change change the article that I wrote. But it was it was TVPG as of last night uh, on the Veer stuff. That was your spotlight, which popped me. I, yeah. I, I think I said it last week of just like I unfortunately have to force you to watch like some WWE stuff or talk mm-hmm. about some WWE stuff. But it always pops me when you're just like saw Shanky dancing. I'd like to talk about that. Saw Veer saying boo. I'd like to talk about that. <laughs> Well, speaking of that, is like is Shanky still doing that? Like, has that worked out for him at all? I have literally no idea since the first time I, I saw him do it. I I, w- I did a run in on the the Dynamite post show last night, and Sean was uh, giving me shit about like taking Fridays off because I used to do the SmackDown post show with Sean, and then I you know became a family man, and I was like, well, I kind of need like Friday nights. I don't want to be on until eleven o'clock talking about. Uh, wrestling and it really like past midnight because dynamite or rampage doesn't end until 11. He's like, right. I don't want to do this. So he, he was giving me shit about taking Fridays off. He's like, You don't cover SmackDown anymore. You don't cover anything anymore. I was like, I don't even watch SmackDown anymore unless I'm, I'm told to like, Hey, watch this kind of thing. Like, I didn't have to cover SmackDown the other week. I have not seen Shanky. I don't know if he's still dancing or not. But my like, my original spotlight for Free WWE before I decided, Oh, let's talk about like the, the TV 14 stuff. Um, I'm trying to pull it up in the DMs, but my computer is acting very slow. A SummerSlam, by the way, is TVPG as mm. of now. And my original spotlight for WWE was Jeff Jarrett as a special guest referee. And we'll talk about Jarrett a little bit later on. But yeah, like WWE ain't much interesting going on uh, in that company right now. Not, but, not you know, biggest Cody party out. of the summer. Biggest party of the yeah. summer is next week. Everybody get ready. Yep, not with Cody out. Not with Cody out. You know, it's unfortunate. I would have went to Nashville for SummerSlam if Cody was on the show. You know, obviously I understand why he isn't, but um but yeah, it's 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 weak. Kai, I don't know what you're talking about. So I bet Steven is a Maxim Oh, Maxim male mo- oh, that's yeah, some Mad- shit. Well, no, oh, no, I know I know what that is because we okay. talked about it, right? Didn't we talk about that one I don't week? Think we talked about Maxim male. I models. talked about it with somebody over the past week. Somebody told me what it Sorry. was. Like there was a they, they, they did it's like LA Knight, it's Eli Drake. Yeah. He's Maxine Dupree. But isn't it like Mace is like one of the models yeah. or something? Massey yeah. and Mansois. Oh, I right. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah, yeah that's the most we're going to talk about that. Um, Kai, I am not on <laughs> no, next week. That's my spotlight. Maxine Dupree debuts this week. That's going to be my spotlight next week for WWE because fuck knows nothing else is going to happen in this company. Let's mm-hmm. move on to the indie spotlight. Steven Jensen, I'm going to give a big mother. Fucking shout out. 
I actually meant to go other spotlight. I fucked up the, <laughs> the order there. Uh, we'll we'll go we'll go with indie spotlight. But before we go to the indie spotlight, because we're gonna talk about Ric Flair's last match on the indie spotlight, and Ric Flair's last match is July thirty first. It's part of Starcade weekend, and we have a run in from Sean Ross Sapp to tell you all about Starcast weekend. If you're here, you like pro wrestling, and StarCast 5 is capped off with an incredible card for Ric Flair's last match on July 31st. And that's after the actual convention on July 29th, 30th, and the 31st in Nashville, Tennessee at the Nashville Fairgrounds. But listen to this list of talent. Josh Alexander, Jacob Fatu, Motor City Machine Guns, The Wolves, Rachel Ellering, Deanna Perrazzo, Jordan Grace, Killer Cross, Harry Smith, Ray Phoenix, Bandito, Clark Connors, Laredo Kid. That's before we even get to the Nature Boy Ric Flair's final match on Sunday night. That's SummerSlam weekend. Panel shows also include Renee Paquette Sessions featuring Brian Danielson, Soraya turning the page, The Last Ride of the Four Horsemen, and Bret Hart taking a look at his match with Davey Boy Smith at SummerSlam 30 years later. If you're going to be in Nashville, head to StarCast.com for more information on StarCast tickets, meet and greets, and last match tickets. But if you're not there, you don't have to miss it. Head to RicFlair'sLastMatch.com to pre-order the event. Watch the incredible docuseries, Ric Flair, The Last Match, with new episodes dropping every Monday at 6.05 p.m. If you're there, there's going to be tons of signings, tons of activities. You're going to see talent from MLW, AAA, Impact, New Japan, AEW, and so much more. StarCast 5 in Nashville. Everyone can head over to Fight TV. They have big bundles. You can get all the StarCast panels. You can get Ric Flair's last match bundle, like $200 for the last match bundle. But you get a plaque with that as well. Uh, get the, the StarCast bundles with the, the roast of Ric Flair, the stage show with Chris Van Vliet and Claudio, the stage show with Brian Danielson, Renee Paquette uh, reuniting, stage show with Bret Hart, a lot of stuff going on starcast weekend next week we'll have a bunch of coverage of it on fightful we'll cover obviously rick flair's last match we'll cover all the indie events i'm sure steven jensen and i will talk about a lot of stuff coming out of that uh on the preceding week's uh spotlight and i'll be covering a lot of the stage shows and interviews because i'm sure Paige and claudio and danielson especially danielson uh will give me plenty of headlines uh to to write about so we'll have coverage of all the starcast stuff next week everybody but everybody head over to fight tv to uh order that stuff rick flair's the last match july 31st steven jensen it's flair and andrade his son-in-law against jay lethal and jeff jarrett jeff jarrett the star of starcast weekend wrestling in the main event of the weekend officiating the title match the wwe tag team title match at SummerSlam. what are you what do you make of this being Ric Flair's last match? I have mixed feelings on it uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, Safety-wise and health-wise, it's a little concerning. But yeah. I also, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, you know, if he, if he's got his mindset that he's going to do this and no one close to him feels like they need to stop him from doing it, like, who am I to say he can't? You know, it's like, it's just, I'm... I'm probably overly liberal when it comes to like most things, you know, like, especially when it comes to like just people wanting to live their life the way they want to. And like, if you're, you know, 80 years old and you got pacemakers and, and you've had health issues and stuff like that, but like 
you feel like you got to get one more in, out of your system before before you hang it up for good. Like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say he's not allowed to do something like this. I will say they need to be very careful about it, and I'm sure they are. And I don't want to see anything bad happen. I'm not one of these people who's sitting there like, like licking my lips, being like, "Oh, I hope Ric Flair dies in a match like this. He get get what he deserves." Like I see a lot of talk like that online. You know, people that are like, That's "Oh yeah." Well, but, but you know what I'm talking about? That kind yeah. of talk where it's like the people who don't like Ric Flair for a variety of reasons, they think it's a bad idea is doing this. They're just like, well, you're just going to die in the ring out there. And like, it just is what it is. And like, I don't, I, I, I have more sympathy than that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see this guy get hurt. I don't want to see him die. Obviously. Like, I don't want to be a part of any of that as a fan or as a human being. Like I, it's, it's tough to see this because the double-edged sword to this too is if this goes okay, that there's no way this is the last time Flair is going to do it. Like he's going to keep doing this. Um, this won't be the last match. Um, if if it goes okay. Um, now I will say this: the the opponent choices, while not incredibly exciting to me personally, it's smart because Jay Lethal's been training with Rick. They he probably knows exactly what he's capable of and what he isn't capable of. They've probably practiced the match many times already and not in front of fans. So they, they probably, you know, this is probably the safest way they could do it. Um, but I'm going to be holding my breath when Ric Flair goes to the top rope to take the, take the bump off the top and stuff, you know, like, because you know, he's going to, and that guy's got pacemakers and, and he's had health issues and he's a very old age. And it's, it's concerning for a lot of reasons. Um, the rest of the show is stacked. They've done a very good job about like putting a really good card around oh, that match. They, last night they added Gresham, uh, Takeshka, Alan Angels, and and um, Nick Wayne in a four way match. That match looks like it's awesome. Cool. So like they've done a good job of like putting a good card together. Um, and once again, I'm not sitting here saying like Ric Flair shouldn't do this. I'm not. I'm not Ric Flair. You know, I don't make those decisions for him. Like if he wants to do this, he can do this. I just. I just hope it goes okay because I don't want to see something bad happen. Um, whether I love Ric Flair as a human being or not, or whether you do either or whoever is listening to this, whether you think Ric Flair is the biggest piece of trash that's ever lived, I, as a wrestling fan, do you really want to see a situation where Ric Flair goes out there something really bad happens to him in the ring? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I just kind of wish none of this was happening and that Ric Flair could just be like content and satisfied with his life and his career and just kind of like, because he's still, what people don't realize because he's around Atlanta a lot, when he goes to like a Hawks game and stuff, like he's like a king. Like people love him still when he's out and about in the town and stuff like that. Like, I mean, like he could go out and do autograph. He does autograph signings and stuff and he gets paid a ton of money. Like he's got like some stuff going for him where like, he can still be kind of involved at his age and, and still give back to the fans and get that, get that love from the fan base and stuff. But like, you know, him and Andrade teaming together, that's kind of cool considering their family now and stuff. But like, it's also a little concerning too that like, you know, you'd imagine that Ric Flair's final match would be a singles match because he wasn't really a tag team guy. And like, if he's not capable of, of doing a singles match, that's probably why it's a tag team because Andrade, I'm sure will take the majority of the bumps for his team. So I guess I, as of the end of the day, I'm indifferent about it. Like, you know, I just don't want to see anything bad happen to Ric Flair at the end of the day during this. I think part of the issue is you mentioned that he still goes out and he's still Ric Flair. <clears throat> and that's sort of the issue is he's still right. Ric Flair. And so he just thinks, well, I'm going to do this last match here. Like I'm, I'm still the, the nature boy. I think he knows some of his limitations and that's why it's a tag team match. And he's not going to go out there and try to have like 
any type of classic. I imagine Andrade and Lethal are going to be doing the majority of this match. Flair's going to go out there and gonna, he's going to play the hits. He's going to do some chops and some woos and some flare flops. And yeah, he's going to go to the top rope. That's going to be very scary. He'll probably blade. He bled in the video thing where he got attacked, which I don't know about all that. The pacemaker, I'm not. Look, the card is great. I, I said it before that I'm not big on just like celebrating Ric Flair after everything that happened. And then he didn't really answer for it. He just kind of like, Oh, we'll push it to the side for a little bit. And then now, Hey, Ric Flair's back. Let's do this big celebration of him. Not exactly a big fan of that. Still going to tune in, still going to cover it. It it, it is part of my job. Um, And WWE just put him back in the intro, right? So like, yeah, he was, you know, very thankful again. It was, it was, they pushed it aside. It got, People forgot other stuff happened, uh, bigger stuff, and then he got put back in the intro. Titus O'Neil came out and cut a cut a promo and said Ric Flair is a great person and everything was was all good in the world of Ric Flair. And I'm not big on celebrating the guy, but there's a lot of interest in the match. I think the lethal and Adrade portions will will be good. Um, Jeff Jarrett, bless this man, getting this payday out of all of this. I hope everybody is safe. I, I hope it goes well. I don't know what they have planned. I don't want to see any type of death. And that is all I'm going to say about this match. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. You know, and, and Jeff Jarrett, it's it makes sense and it doesn't, right? It's like, I don't feel like Flair ever really saw Jeff Jarrett as like on his level during their career. That's all, That was always the vibe I got no, out absolutely of it. not. I mean, he wouldn't even, he was the unofficial Four Horsemen member and everything. And it's like, but at least there is that history between the two of them for this match to kind of make sense. And like Jarrett in Nashville is, you know, he's always a draw in Nashville yeah. and stuff. And so it's, it's just one of those things where like, you know, I just don't want to see anything bad happen. Anybody involved in this. Um, and, and luckily the rest of the card looks really good. So it's one of those things where I don't want, I don't want to turn people off from the idea of watching the show or supporting the show. Like, I really think you should check it out. If you're a wrestling fan, I mean, there's going to be a lot of really good wrestling and, uh, Nashville Municipal Auditorium is a really cool venue. I've been there before myself, and like it's going to be a good show. Um, really I, I well. think my my positive spin on this, even though I'm I'm not high on Ric Flair doing this match or him just getting this entire weekend in general, my positive spin is going to be that people are excited for this show. It's well, at this point, it has almost more hype than SummerSlam, uh, and there are a lot of good wrestlers on this card that are getting paid and can hopefully showcase themselves and hopefully parlay this into bigger paydays. So I am happy for the other wrestlers involved who are part of a a big event. I mean, look, I might have my gripes with it, but it was such a big hit that they had to move it to a bigger arena. Like it was just going to be at fairgrounds at first. And like, Oh, we can run municipal auditorium because there was so much interest in this thing. So a lot of wrestlers are getting paid off of this. A lot of wrestlers are going to be in the spotlight off of this. And I think that is a very good thing for them and for the industry as a whole, even if I'm not too keen on what the actual last match is and who was participating in it. Sure. Real quick before the next topic, over under. Uh, I don't know if over under is good. Give me a percentage. If if this match goes okay and Rick you know, gets through it, right? We'll say like he gets through it without like serious injury and stuff. Mm. what's the percentage he wrestles again? I don't think he will. I actually don't like they've made such a big deal 
out of this. And I think Dude, they made long... a big deal out of the WWE retirement too, though. Like... Yeah, that, <laughs> but you know, that was also like shit at this point, it feels like two decades ago. Yeah. I um like yeah. you're right. They they did make a big deal out of that as well. And then he wrestled in TNA. And they did the Hogan tour where there's blood over each other in Australia. Yeah. Right. Right. So, <laughs> but I, I don't think, well, I'm not going to say never say never because like WWE could call him back and be like, Hey, yeah, we want Ric Flair to join the match. I'll go like, I'll go 10% that this is, or I guess 90% that this is like his final match. 10% that he wrestles again. Cause I do think there's a chance and I do think it's like greater than obviously I haven't put it at 10%. I think it's like, fairly decent um but for the most part i think this is kind of kind of it for him that's fair how about you oh i think if he gets through this without any serious injury it's like 80 percent he does it again Uh, i think (laughs) yeah so that rules uh my indie spotlight is another problematic person tessa blanchard (laughs) comes back good transition to wrestling yeah i'm 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 a pro i'm a pro steven jensen uh tessa blanchard is back she returned at hurricane pro wrestling she's gonna be at warrior wrestling as well she is not part of women of wrestling i i wanted to spotlight this because one we were talking about just problematic people uh i thought it thought it fit well with this but Tessa Blanchard, at the time when she won, I guess before she won the Impact World title, because like the day before she won the title, all the stuff came out mm-hmm. about her. She kind of uh, tweeted herself into a corner. And then everything since then has been very downhill for her. Before that, she did feel like one of the biggest stars in wrestling. Like when she mm-hmm. was wrestling with the men, it felt like, oh yeah, Tessa Blanchard, like this is believable. Like she feels mm-hmm. like a top act. And now... She's been gone for nearly like two years. She's coming back on some indie shows. I don't think she's ever going to get like a big time job at this point. Like, I think if it would have happened, it would have happened. Right. And now she's just, she's back. And I think she's just kind of ruined things for her. Like the wow stuff where she was like the face of that organization. And now she's not part of the organization kind of speaks to where she's at as a whole in wrestling right now and i don't know if she ever gets back to a point of where we look at tessa blanchard and we're just like hey she's everything's good with her she's one of the top acts she's one of the top stars and that that maybe that says a lot because as we just talked about there's a lot of forgive and forget in the world of wrestling yeah yeah for sure um yeah the the thing when it comes to someone like Tessa, you know, I'm so this is probably this may be a character flaw of mine. I give a lot of people the benefit the benefit of the doubt, probably more than I should, um, because I really have a lot of trust in like people, like when it comes to a lot of stuff. But I also there's a lot of bad in a lot of people too. And I gotta like kind of be able to filter that out. But I I, I do I, I, I do sympathize a lot to a lot of people and try to and try to look at both sides of things and like you know what I mean. But when you look at Tessa we let's take the uh <clears throat> the, the the racist stuff out of it that like she's been accused of saying even if you take that out of it look at just professionally at a certain point you're like who's the problem is it tessa yeah. or all the companies she has fallings out with you know what i mean it's like everywhere she works it's it fin- it ends like that we're like impact she wouldn't send the title back and like do promos for them and all this stuff when she was the world champion they put a they put the world championship on a female which was a 
a, a historic thing in a in a kind of to a degree a big risk because there's a big part of the fan base is going to see that and they're going to be misogynistic and be like this is stupid i'm not going to watch this like i'm not one of those people you're not one of those people but those people do exist and and it's one of those things where like they invested a lot in her as the champion and had her beat most of their top wrestlers their top male wrestlers and female wrestlers and they really and i thought when she won the title it made sense it was like this is this works like she's very she, and I'll, I'll say this in all honesty, I thought that Tessa Blanchard was the best female wrestler in the world at that time. Like I really did. And then she was making an argument for one of the best overall, regardless of gender at the time. She really was. Um, so that on that side, it's disappointing as a fan that like, it, it's like, it's almost like having like a Michael Jordan type figure where it's like this, this person's changing the game, but like Tessa, can, oh, actually a better example would be someone like Randy Moss kind of where like Randy Moss was a bad teammate. He was an asshole. He didn't try when the ball wasn't coming to him, but he was so talented that you were just like, well, fuck it. Like he's when, when the ball comes to him, like he's so good that like, I'll take, I'll take all the negative. Cause that one positive thing outweighs it with Tessa. It's like falling out with company after company already. People are going to be skeptical of wanting to work with you. And then you add the accusations on top of that. The thing she said about other wrestlers in the past and the, and the, the racism and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, it's it's tough to want to. It's tough. It's a tough decision for a company to make to to do business with her, whether it has to do with personally or professionally. Like it just it is what it is. Um, it's it's disappointing that such a talented person is not being featured because she should be wrestling Charlotte Flair and 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 Bianca Belair on on national television, and she should be wrestling. Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb on national television and Jordan Grace on national television and all this stuff. But like, I understand why companies don't want to, don't want to deal with that. I, I get it. Um, and it makes sense. And I think there would be a lot of backlash from the fan base if, if big companies were giving our opportunities right now, because I think I could be wrong, but I feel like a big sticking point with Tessa and the fan base, a lot of it has to do with, there hasn't been any kind of apologizing for any, any of this. Yeah. And I think a lot of the fans are just like, and at this point it's, it's been too long. Even if she apologized now, it feels like she's waited too long. And now it's going to come across like, well, she's only apologizing because now she has no options. She's not an affiliated with any company. And now she's trying to make good to get back in the game. But I understand companies not wanting to do business with her for a variety of reasons. I get it. Remorse, actual remorse goes a long way and action behind that remorse goes an even longer way and she just basically disappeared tried to come back with wow burnt the bridge there seemingly and now she's just doing any things and you're right like we're not dismissing the the racist uh comments that she allegedly made i don't think you can dismiss that especially the way she handled everything afterwards off of that but if you do just kind of set them aside and you just look at her history from company to company, that ain't good right. in and of itself. You throw on everything else, you throw on the, the those comments, and it's even worse. So she doesn't, outside of just being a talented wrestler, which she is, not a lot going on for her behind the scenes. Yeah, it's not worth the trouble, not worth the PR hit. It's not worth it. I don't think any company does it until... WWE maybe gets desperate enough to do it and then she doesn't boost any type of ratings because I don't think anybody right now is this big draw, especially WWE to, to like bring in, they brought in Logan Paul and he ain't really like YouTube views and stuff. I'm sure are great for them, but it moving like the raw ratings 
or anything. So Tessa Blanchard certainly coming in ain't bumping that Raw rating or that SmackDown rating up at all. They've tried much bigger stars from much bigger walks of the, the world, and they ain't doing anything to the actual television rating. Tessa, maybe they bump a social media thing, but is it worth it? Absolutely not. At the end of the day, does Vince care about that? Probably not either. Um, but she's back. Best of luck to any company working with her. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I'll leave it at that as well. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move on to our final spotlight. The other spotlight. Our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. We're going straight up the middle with ROH Death Before Dishonor this weekend. Two big matches, a lot of big matches, especially FTR and Briscoes. We actually don't we, we don't have a spotlight on that, but that we'll might probably be talk about it next week though. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. that'll probably yeah. be one of our other spotlight because that could, I mean, be the yeah. match of the year when it's all said and done. But our two matches that we have spotlight is Claudio Casignoli taking on Jonathan Gresham for the ROH World Championship as Claudio goes for gold, and Daniel Garcia against Wheeler Yuta. For the peer championship, Vincent, thoughts on really both these matches? We'll tie them together. Sure. Um, so when it comes to Wheeler Yuta and Dana Garcia, I love that the world is going to really get to see this. Um, because for those of you who don't know, and I would recommend checking it out, you can go on independentwrestling.tv right now or IWTV.live. You can use code Fight Talk, by the way. That helps me out when you use that code F I G H T T A L K. Um, IWTV 100. Uh, which was, I guess, over a year ago already now? Yeah, um, like a year, year and a half ago. Yeah, probably that sounds about right. Um, at IWTV 100, Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia had a fantastic hour-long match. Um, and I actually I actually awarded it as my favorite match of the year that year of any company. I think that was like, I know for the weekender at the very least, for the stuff that I cover on that show, that was my match of the year when I did my year-end awards. And... I just love that it's going to be on a bigger stage. And I love because the card is so stacked on paper that like this kind of feels like a dark horse, like on the card. And I think that they're going to, pro- they're going to go out there to prove like that. Let me put it this way. I think they're going to go in there with kind of a chip on their shoulder. Like everyone's talking about Claudio. Everyone's talking about Gresham. Everyone's talking about Joe and lethal. Everyone's talking about FTR and Briscoes. Everyone's talking about Deeb and, and uh, Mercedes, so on and so forth. It's like, we're going to show them why like we're the best match on this show. And I think they're going to really go out and show out. And I think by the end of the show, like I think FTR and Briscoes will probably probably be the match of the night, given the history and the two out of three falls and everything. But I honestly think that uh, Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia is going to give them a run for their money. I think it'll be the second best match in the show to, to that tag match. I think I, I, I think they're going to really show a lot of people why they're so highly regarded and why they were so um, highly uh, wanted coming out of the indies and everything. Like this is... This is a real showcase match, I think, for both guys. And I uh, I think they're going to really hit it out of the park. Um, and for prediction, you know, it's tough because I like Yuta as the pure champion. And I think it makes sense with him as the pure champion in the combat club and Moxley having the, the, um, the interim AEW title. And maybe they add some more belts to that group soon. But I also think there's a lot of interest in the idea of like Daniel Garcia winning the pure title and then trying to turn it into like a sports entertainment title or something like, you know, like him having that title in the Jericho appreciation society can make it interesting. Um, so personally, I'm actually gonna take Daniel Garcia to win. I just have a gut feeling about it, but like, I love that matchup. Um, give me your thoughts on that one. Then we'll talk about the, uh, the, the, um, the main event. Uh, I really or what it. I think is going to be the main event. I guess. Yeah, the I, I think, title I think it'll headline. Yeah, I think it'll headline as well. Uh, I really love this match. I love the uh, little 
countdown thing that they did and they did the the face off of daniel garcia i anytime anytime someone's like I got that dog in me uh mm. i love that that fucking comment because it's big on like nba twitter it's like you just got that dog in him he's like mm. you got that dog in you like i got in me uh so i love that from garcia i feel like garcia should win like i get the point of doing like a sports entertainment type title i don't know if like i think tony khan sort of respects roh too much to like Mm. sort of do something like that and i think garcia his role like this is where it gets weird blending the roh stuff with the AEW stuff because i do think the build-up to this show like i know they've they haven't had their own television so it's had to blend with AEW television but it's hurt some of the AEW television with the the way they've had to do all of this they've done a good job with this storyline because of the blackpool combat club jericho appreciation society stuff they i still think they could have done more like claudio and gresham has just been like here's claudio here's gresham here we go this is your match um but i i understand that sentiment i think it could just work as like daniel garcia just has the title and he's like i'm a sports entertainer and i'm holding this pure title like i'm the best sports entertainer and i'm the best pure wrestler in the world like i think that's how they play it more than just like doing a sports entertainment championship i think garcia should win i kind of think yuda will win though um i think garcia sort of has more upside than than uh wheeler yuda and that's not a knock on on yuda at all i'm just a little bit higher on daniel garcia sure i think that's fair and and also i think it's possible too that maybe like yuda and garcia um maybe they just you know, there's so much mutual respect between the two after a match like this that maybe it starts. Because I still think Daniel Garcia joining the Blackpool Combat Club is like going to happen at some point. Like he makes too much sense to be in that group. Um, and now with Guevara adding to the JAS, like it would kind of make sense for for now to be a good time for Garcia to to defect maybe. And maybe this is a catalyst for that. Like the two of them just have this great match, and by the end of it. Like even though the the Combat Club and uh, JS have had their differences, like Yuta is looking Garcia in the eyes after the match and being like, "You're the real, like you're one of us, man. Like what are you doing with this appreciation stuff?" And like maybe Mox and Danielson come out and they like, shake his hand or something. They're like, "Dude, you're you're with the wrong group. Like just like Yuta was in the wrong group with the best friends, you're in the wrong group with the JS. Like you got to get over to us and and we're gonna change your your life and your career, man." Um, but. And then as far as the main event, um, or what we're assuming will be the main event, because because Briscoe's FTR could main event. It could. Yeah, it really could. Um, but so Zara, or Claudio Castagnoli versus Jonathan Gresham, RH World title. I mean, I love the matchup on paper. Um, the build was kind of out of left field, it felt like. Like you said, it's just kind of like, here's Claudio, world title yeah. match. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, at least he has the, the history in Ring of Honor. And... Um, I thought it was interesting. He did an interview. I'm sure you probably transcribed for it, but um, I saw he made, he, he quoted something about how like every time he's le- he's left a company is because he feels like there's, there's not a higher level he can get to. And ironically, like he left ring of honor for that reason. And now that's what brought him right back to ring of honor after all these years. Um, because now he's like, he can, you know, I, I quick prediction though. I, I, I do think Claudio Castagnoli is going to win the ROH world title. Um, I like Jonathan Gresham a lot. I would like to see him retain, but I also feel like they're they're gonna really go with Claudio. And especially if Yuta retains the pure title and now Claudio has the the world title and 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 uh Moxley has the AEW interim title, like if the Blackpool Combat Club can start collecting belts over multiple companies, that's interesting to me also. 
Um, but I don't know. I, I, I Gresham means so much to Ring of Honor. He really carried that brand on his back for a long time, whether being the pure champion or the world champion. Um, so on 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 certain levels, I'm like, man, I, I think this would be great for Gresham to win because you know it's a big win beating a guy like Claudio and and it helped it, it even more legitimizes Ring of Honor and legitimizes uh Gresham. But I just don't see Claudio losing. What about you? See, I, I don't really see him losing either. And I think that would be a mistake because I think Gresham should hold the title. I just don't want Same, yeah. like Gresham is an ROH guy. I don't I know the two brands are, are connected, especially right now with it being on television. I don't want just this being all AEW guys and they're also on AEW television. Like, there needs to be, and it probably won't happen until ROH has its own TV show, if if and when that happens, there needs to be some separation between this stuff. And Claudio feels very much AEW and Gresham feels very much ROH. And I want Gresham to continue on with that title and like have some differentiation. I don't know if I said that word well, uh, like differentiate the two, the two brands and Gresham having the title does do that. Cause he doesn't feel like an AEW guy. Claudio he's going to be on AEW TV every single week. I, I want Gresham to win. I want Gresham to kind of like beat the ROH original type guys have them beat claudio whenever like have them face punk but see they're not gonna have them beat like punk and brian brian will probably refuse to lose or refuse to win anyway so that's why brian's a goat um but like have them beat brian have them beat joe like have them beat these roh guys and really plant like i'm the new face of roh like i'm kicking i'm taking out all your favorites who are now washed and past their prime that you don't have to say that. Cause then it makes your win look a little bit weaker. It's like, you know, I'm the new face of this brand. That's what I want. I don't want Claudio winning this match, but I kind of think he will. I wonder also if this is more of a placeholder where like, maybe this was supposed to be Danielson and Gresham and then Danielson got hurt. You know, maybe this, yeah. maybe Gresham does retain and they still wind up doing Danielson and, and Gresham for the title long-term. I mean, that's what I've wanted to see ever since Danielson left the WWE. Like, that's like the main match for me pretty much. I mean, him and Omega was was one as well, but like Danielson versus Gresham is like, that's, I want it for the Ring of Honor world title specifically. Um, so I like, my gut is just that Claudio is going to win. But like you said, I think it, like, personally speaking i think it'd be great to see gresham beat claudio and keep this title and um you know the last thing i'll say because i, I gotta get out and clock in for the shoot job in a second but um i talked about this with doug on live rounds on tuesday but <clears throat> i think it'd probably be smart if if they did like instead of doing aw dark and dark elevation like start taping like ring of honor instead of dark and even if you want to have that on youtube for free maybe that's the way to have some sort of ring of honor show weekly like you know in the and then you have the live audience of dynamite there already and like it isn't like a studio show like you could have an actual crowd and i feel like that's probably a pretty good idea to do something like that like start start taping ring of honor like before dynamite and then and then that way you're not like and then put it for free on youtube also i mean if if you can get a TV deal, great. I mean, that's even better for for them monetarily. But like, you know, I I, th- I don't think anyone would would complain if AEW Dark became Ring of Honor. You know, like I you know. So that is my personal opinion. But that's everything I've got. I gotta go. Gotta go work. Give, give some give some plugs real quickly, Steven Jensen. Um, Fightful Select Weekender Podcast every Sunday. FightfulSelect.com. I talk the world of indie wrestling. Uh, so check that out. Um. Every Tuesday, live rounds with Doug. That's on the RVD Tito for Life YouTube channel. That's RVD T I T O, the number four L A F E. 
uh, 10, 10 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday. So check that out. We talk about a whole lot of stuff. We're very interactive with the chat, answering questions. Uh, we do about two hours. So we usually end about 12.30 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays if you like those late night shows. And uh, and yeah, everything I got going on, just uh, follow me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. As I said at the top of the show, I probably won't be able to make it to Terminus tonight because of working late at the shoot job. I might make it out to Battle Slam next week. I'm hoping to, even if I have to show up late, I'm hoping to get out to Battle Slam. I want to see Baron Black versus Little Scrappy live. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's what I've got going on. And I hope you all enjoy the interview uh, that you're about to hear with myself, Jeremy, and Megabyte Ronnie, because I loved it. I love talking professional wrestling. I love talking professional eating. So, uh, so yeah, I, I hope you all enjoy it. And I will see you all again right here, same time, same place, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Spotlight youtube.com slash fightful thanks jensen enjoy enjoy the rest of your day good luck at the shoot job now it sucks uh <laughs> see y'all bye buddy all right guys i'm gonna throw to our interview with megabyte ronnie and he he's a professional wrestler he's wrestled on AEW dark in the past he's appeared on being the elite we talk about that we did talk about his AEW dark appearance um wrestled at pwe this past weekend uh independent independent show we talked about that talked about competitive eating he was in the nathan's hot dog eating contest uh he's part of major league eating uh really fun interview with megabyte ronnie uh i really enjoyed this i hope you guys enjoyed it as well so here we go to our creator's spotlight welcome to the creator's spotlight the interview portion of the spotlight right here on fightful i as always am stephen jensen here as always with jeremy lambert and today our guest is a u.s army veteran he is a professional wrestler he is a professional eater we are joined by megabyte ronnie how you doing man thank you for joining us no problem man yeah i'm doing pretty well how about you doing good doing, doing good well. i yes i have a lot of things i want to talk about um i could probably <laughs> talk to you for hours because i actually am a big fan of competitive eating like unironically like i actually do follow i follow a lot of the youtubers i follow some of the competitive scene a little bit i get really hyped up for the fourth of july every year for the nathan's contest so like mm -hmm. i have a lot of pro wrestling stuff i want to ask a lot of uh competitive eating type stuff so i'm i'm like really excited for this episode sick man i love talking about eating so we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about let, let's start with the the hot dog eating contest we're, we're talking a little bit off air and jen's submission i want to hit you up like the day after the contest was done and see if you want to talk to us and you're like yeah i'm kind of i've got a done on those days so how was the the nathan's hot dog eating experience and how are you feeling now or, or two weeks removed is it yeah i mean two weeks removed i'm feeling fine uh this past <laughs> weekend i i actually did a an ice cream challenge i ate eight pounds of ice cream this this weekend oh, so i'm i'm back in it uh, as far as like Nathan's go, man, like that, that day is just the best day of the year, without a doubt. Like I, I count down starting 364. Like I cannot wait to the 4th of July to get back on surface still well for, for Nathan's. Just the contest, the atmosphere, uh, getting to see all my eating friends and we, we all go out and party that night. It's just like everything. It's the best day of the year, hands down. Yeah, you know, and me and Jeremy both look forward to it as fans because we didn't even know before we talked to each other this 4th of July. Um, I hit him up. I direct message him. This is a true story. I direct message him and I said, I was like, hey, man, uh, we're definitely going to be talking about the hot dog eating contest on the show on Thursday. And he immediately sent me a screenshot of him watching the contest at home. Like he was already watching it. So like tradition. Um, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. Um, 
so yeah so i i don't even know exactly where to start I, but my first question on, on the on the eating side and when it comes to nathan's hot dog eating contest um as a competitor yourself um competing against someone like joey chestnut who like is so dominant but like so impressive is it something when you compete against a guy like that is it like just cool to be like up there competing with a guy who's who's so legendary at what he does or is it a little frustrating because like you want to win but he like wins by so much every year that it almost seems like the fight for second place is kind of like where the real competition is at and then joey just kind of I mean, he, he might put someone in a headlock and still win the competition. You know yeah. what I mean? So um, what's it like competing against a guy like that? Uh, well, to like to shine a light on this, or I don't know, to use the wrestling term, Spartan you up to the to eating business. Joey, Joey Chestnut is really only untouchable at hot dogs. So like right. the number two eater in the world, Jeff Esper, I believe in the past year, hasn't lost to him at another contest besides hot dogs. So it's like... It's it's cool and Joey is the goat without a doubt. Like it's cool to be on stage with Joey. Like I've been there like five times while he breaks the record. Like I'm on the table while Joey's down like five people away from me breaking records, you know? Yeah. But uh it's it's like um I, I don't know. Like I'm okay with him being so dominant at hot dogs because like in ice cream and uh chili and stuff like that, I'm I'm not that far behind him. So I, I don't know. It's it's cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, and I'm glad you brought that up because for people who, who don't pay much attention, you know, like the, the 4th of July is like, like the Super Bowl of it, like the, right. the hot dog eating contest, but there, the major league eating happens all throughout the year. Um, not just on an MLW scale, but like, or sorry, ML, MLE scale, major league eating, but you have, um, like YouTubers and stuff like that, that are making full-time uh, careers on YouTube, whether it's like in actual competitions or just eating really large amounts of food, um just like sitting at a restaurant or something so kind of where um where do you think you kind of fit into the space because you do it competitively i know you're a ranked eater currently um do, do you like being a part of of because i've heard like varying things about like being a part of that major league eating versus like doing it independently and like kind of how do you feel about kind of your spot right now in that scene yeah, I think um, so the people who do it independently and they do it at the top of the independent level, I think that's pretty smart for them. I think uh, like financially, they, they can make a lot more money doing contests that aren't MLE related. Uh, you know, MLE only has a set amount of contests per year. But if you're doing independent, like you can find an eating contest like every Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Like you can just travel around doing eating contests and, and make a decent amount of money. So the, the people who do it independent, I don't blame them. For for me personally, uh, I don't know. It's never really been about a money thing. Like I, for me, it's just like it's uh, it's really cool to be able to compete at the highest level of the sport against the other top level uh, athletes of the sport. So like. If I was the 20th best uh, throwing the football in the world, I would want to be in the NFL playing, you know, NFL football. But like I'm the 20th best eater in the world. So I want to be in major league eating and I want to be going against the best eaters at the best contest. So that's that's the reason I do that. I want to know how one just gets into competitive eating as a kid. Are you just like, man, I'm really eating a lot. Are you you at the lunch table challenging your friends? Like, I bet I can eat all of this before. Like, how do you actually get into competitive eating and realize like i have a knack for eating a lot of food in a short amount of time it was it was sort of an accident so like um back in 2013 like man versus food was probably one of my favorite shows on tv and i always thought it was sick right like i always wanted to go do a restaurant challenge because you see that and you're like ah, i could do that you know you just you want to see if you could go do it 
Well, uh, I was in the army at the time and uh, I kind of got a uh, short notice that I was deploying to Afghanistan. Like most people get a nine months notice that they're going to Afghanistan. I got a two weeks notice. So like after that two weeks notice, I was like, uh, you know what? Let me go try one of those challenges. Sort of like one of those things. So like if I don't make it back, it's like I would always wonder. So I went down the street and I did a three pound burger and a pound of fries. And uh, I did that in the time. I deployed to Afghanistan and while I was in Afghanistan, like I found out how you get on the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, which is uh, you have to go to one of the 15 qualifiers around the United States, be the top men, be the top woman. So I, it just so happened two weeks after I got back from Afghanistan, I was in Georgia. There was a qualifier in Atlanta, an MLE qualifier. So I went up there and I did that and I finished second and I ate 16 the very first time I ate and they signed me to a contract that day. And I was like, well, I guess I'm pretty good at this. I'll just, I'll just do this now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What, what's, what's your personal uh, record in hot dogs in 10 minutes? Uh, on contest it is 29.5 and I have done 35 in the backyard trying to get ready for, <laughs> for the so, contest. Yeah. So, so like the preparation, that's a whole other thing. Cause you know, people might not realize like most of the competitive eaters that I kind of follow, most of them are in like really good physical shape. And mm. that was something where I saw people kind of like joking, you know, with like Joey Chestnut this year is, is in a boot and the people were like, well, what, you know, he's just standing there eating, right? Like, what's the big deal? And I'm like, yeah, that might have like hindered him like working out in preparation for this. Like, there's a lot that goes into being in the kind of shape to, I mean, when, when y'all are done eating the hot dogs, you look like you just went through an entire, an entire NBA game from start to finish. I mean, <laughs> you're sweating and you're chewing and you're, I mean, it's like, it, it, it's no joke that 10 yeah. minutes, that that's hard work. It, and um, so can you speak a little to that? And, and obviously it ties in with the pro wrestling because you have to be in good shape to do that. And it all just kind of seems like you've, you've picked some some pretty cool um, avenues to be able to use your athleticism and, and everything, uh, you know, all together in multiple sports. Yeah, man, I got I got lucky. These kind of go hand in hand. I think they're both like, uh, you know, from like the carny or the carnival. So they, they're kind of very related. Uh, but uh, it's 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 one of those things. So, so in eating. Uh, your stomach is basically like a giant balloon, right? So your stomach can expand more the less fat you have because the fat is what's getting in the way of stopping that balloon from expanding. So the majority of us uh, are in good shape. I wouldn't say it's 100% because of eating, but like uh, it kind of attracts the same people. You see a lot of bodybuilders and eating or personal trainers or uh, triathlon athletes. Like You kind of see those people in eating. And it makes sense because those type of people are the same people who are eating really high calorie meals. Same thing with like a, like a wrestler my size. Like it, I got to eat a lot of calories to stay up to 245 pounds. Like it don't, it don't just stay there. You know what I'm saying? So it's like uh, that, that's what it sort of attracts and it just attracts the, uh, the athlete. And yeah, it is, it is gnarly, dude. I mean, after a 10 minute eating contest, I am wore out. Like there is, I'm useless the rest, the rest of the day. Like that's all my, uh, it's all my energy. It's all my athletic ability right there. So, and, um, <clears throat> I don't know. It kind of helps to, uh, look good in a, in a, in, in your underwear and wrestling. So less bad <laughs> I have, the better I look, you know, in my gear. Wait, after, after the Nathan's contest, what, when do you eat your next meal? Like, um, when do you get hungry again after something like that? 
that night, man. That like, night? <laughs> <laughs> me me and my wife actually smashed like a whole large pizza at like 11 o'clock. <laughs> I, I wanted to know, like, do like do you like enjoy food? Like you can just like kind of snack on something or you see like a, a meal or any type of food, like got to finish this in like three seconds, just like pound through it. Do people challenge you when, when a meal is in front of you? Like, do you get to actually sit down and just enjoy and like savor any type of meal? So like one of, one of my funniest stories. So like whenever I go out to eat, my wife makes me eat food before we go out. So I don't buy like <laughs> two of the main courses, but yeah, but it, it does happen a lot, man, where I'll, I'll sit down with people who maybe like uh, just knew I was a competitive eater, but it's like the first time they met me and we're at a, an eating environment and I could feel like everybody at the table staring at me. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy my, my food down here. Like it's, I, I don't know. People do, you know, Every time there's a restaurant that has a restaurant challenge, people want me to do it. Like no matter what, like I could just accidentally go to a restaurant and there's one there and people are like, oh, oh, you're going to do that. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm not. That's not <laughs> Pick my spots, brother. I, I, I know you mentioned um, you've been to Atlanta. I don't know if you're if you're local to Atlanta or if you've just been here a handful of times. But are you familiar with the, the big pie challenge, the giant pizza here? Is that a team challenge or is it is? It's two people. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering because yeah, no one I know has been successful. I've seen some like really good YouTubers do it and I'm sure it's something you'd be able to do, but my brother, I, I told my brother, I was interviewing you today and he was like, you got to ask him about big pie. Cause if he's in Atlanta, we got to We got to go at the same time. And, and one of us try to try to hold Jensen's on. Looking for a tag team partner. It's kind of funny. Cause like, if you, um, if you are a fan of that, I actually have a challenge coming up. We're doing it next weekend with another independent wrestler. It's going to be me and Jeff Cannonball. We're going to be tag teaming a, a restaurant challenge. And that's going to be coming soon to my YouTube. So that's something uh, that I'm, I'm trying to incorporate more. I'm trying to find more eating uh challenges that i can get other wrestlers in and sort of just tag team i think a lot of people would like to see that oh let's see that's a that's a good concept for yeah. you see all these vlogs and everything with, with wrestlers that's a very good concept for for a series on youtube yeah cannibal cannibal is stoked man he's asking me for tips all the time <laughs> he's ready for it uh it, you know and also kind of like tying it in with pro wrestling i gotta bring this guy up because he deserves so much credit um in my opinion, like when it comes to hype men in in all sports, I think George Shea is like he's it's like him and Bruce Buffer or like I mean like legitimately those are the guys. If if I want someone to, to hype me up, those are the guys. Um, it's really kind of like a big pro wrestling presentation on the Fourth yeah. of July. I mean Joey Chestnut came down on like a on like a lift type thing, and 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 they. And everyone has their intros, you know, they, when they come out. Yours was fantastic, by the way. You came out and you had me hyped up for that contest. Like, you had the crowd going. I mean, it's pretty much the most American thing you can do to be like an Army veteran and then go into competitive eating on the 4th of July. Like, I, I, it hypes me up, man. What, yeah. What's that whole feeling like Like when that dude's introducing you and, like, you're getting ready to – to, to put down these hot dogs man that's i tell you what that's why i signed that contract so fast because my very first <laughs> contest man i was the second to last person out they kind of hyped me up as the guy who was going to beat this guy who was really good i had no fucking shot sorry i had no shot against this guy anyways so like i come out and i have like my own entrance music there's george shea giving me this introduction of like 
how I just got back from Afghanistan and I'm here to save the country. And I'm like, Oh God, like, am I really worth all that? You know what I'm saying? So like, uh, that was what hooked me instantly. And then to have it on the 4th of July, I mean, like, you know, I, I know how to get people excited. So I, I know what I'm doing out there, but it's just, it's just really good to uh, get up on that uh, catwalk and hit that salute. And people just go absolutely ballistic for that, man. I love it. I love it. I mean, it is, it is total pro wrestling. I want to transition here to, to yes. wrestling. Yeah. Um, like, how did you get started when it comes to wrestling? Like where, where did you train at? Like how, how did that all come together with, with pro wrestling? So it's kind of funny. Like, I, it was one of those things that, like, I always wanted to get into, right? So, like, when I got out of the Army at 24, uh, I had paid, like, a deposit to go to Lance Storm's Wrestling Academy. And, like, okay. I didn't go. Like, I just I just sort of, like, uh, I don't know, kind of, like, chickened out or whatever. It was just, like, there was... Did you get your deposit back? No, I did not. Lance Storm still has 500 bucks of uh, Mega Buyer oh. money. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. oh, man. It, it's, it's all good. Like, it, it's all fine. So, like... Anyways, from 24 to 29, I just kind of like sat around like not doing a whole lot. And uh, at 29, I was just like, uh, you know, that wrestling thing, if I don't go do that, then I'm not really going to be happy with, you know, like the way this thing ends. Like I, ha- like I have to go do it. Right. So I had a friend who was up in Buffalo and I was just looking to kind of like escape my my situation I was in at the moment, just go do something new. And it just so happened to be that there was Grapplers Anonymous in Buffalo, which is a wrestling school. I didn't I didn't know anything about it. I just moved to Buffalo and was like, there's a wrestling school there. I'm going to go there. I didn't know it was going to be like as amazing as a school as it was. So I was I was trained by Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. Um, and then I was in the class right behind like Daniel Garcia, Kevin Blackwood and Puff. So I was like right behind those guys. You had the butcher teaching like an advanced class on Wednesday. Like I I just landed in the in the best situation you could have ever asked for, for sure. Yeah, a lot of really good people came out of that scene, that Buffalo scene. A lot of people really thriving right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've seen you pop up a little bit in AEW as well. Um, what, what was the experience like on uh, on BTE? I, I, I marked out pretty hard seeing you you uh, doing some – I was hoping that was going to stick longer. I was, I was hoping that was going to be a longer thing. So it's it's kind of funny. So, like, uh, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but my, my 20th ever match was on AEW. So, oh, really? like, I, wow. I was, like, I was, like, brand new, man. Like, I was – pretty stoked to be in a situation like that uh actually i got on to aew because i ate chicken wings with cody rhodes on on hot ones so like i kind of got there a different way i got there through eating but that's that's either here or there um yeah i mean so for being the elite i'm backstage i'm hanging out right and the bucks walk up to me and they're like hey uh I don't know if you've seen this or not, but we have this YouTube series. I'm like, guys, you know, like, shut the fuck up. Like, I know what the elite is. You know? like, YouTuber, man, of course. <laughs> like, I'm a fucking, I'm a wrestler, bro. Like, I'm not just, like, some eater guy just hanging around back here. And they were like, hey, you know, we'd really like you to to do this scene. We'll come up with something. And they started asking me for ideas, like, uh, what, what type of food I wanted. And I was just like, I want something soft. But, I like, I don't want something that's just, like, pudding you know what i'm saying like i wanted to look like spray every fucking where while i'm eating it and they're like all right cool so they came up with the di- idea with with cake and i wanted something that was kind of juicy so i didn't like choke on it because i didn't want to be like i didn't want to be drinking a lot of water in the scene you know what i'm saying so i right. said a lemon glazed cake uh which was which is a huge mistake because those are those are way drier than i anticipated man. <laughs> like, uh, 
yeah so we we go to film this scene and they're like they're telling me what they want me to do they're like hey we want you to walk down this hallway and then we want you to you know come around the corner and then you're gonna kick brandon and stuff like that and i'm like cool so like they didn't give me any instructions so i just like hit that scene where i'm walking down the hallway and i did that in one take and they were like holy shit like we were not like we were not expecting all this so man they just they just roll me into this room uh I, i'm eating two pounds or two lemon glazed cakes where brandon's on the phone he's saying stuff about his scrotum like i'm almost choking because i'm <laughs> laughing and why i'm doing this man there's like 10 other wrestlers in the room like miro is literally like five feet away from me like i'm just like living the dream i tell you that that scene was amazing one of, one of the best things i'll probably ever do in my life great oh yeah if i remember correctly it was all like one shot too like you ate the entire thing like, i don't think the camera even cut off of you it was a it was a real time you just eat your entire cake yeah, yeah man. awesome awesome so so did cody you know invite you to the the dark tapings because i believe they were there this was during the the pandemic and everything and it was at daily's place uh so did cody yeah. invite you to that when you did uh hot ones with him yeah so we we did hot ones i i me and my wife got on hot ones the game show right so like i mm -hmm. kind of uh was cool with sean evans the host of it from that and he reached out to me and said hey during the pandemic we're gonna do this thing like a redemption thing for people who didn't win and you're gonna be teamed up with somebody famous so, you know, like Hot Ones producers got with me and they were like, uh, so do you know like actors and celebrities? I was like, nah, not really. Cause I, I like, don't, <laughs> like, I don't know pop culture, man. I was like, they're like, well, what do you know? I was like, wrestling. They're like, all right, well, we'll find something for you. Um, so I had heard, they had emailed me back later and they were like, oh, so you're probably gonna be doing stuff with Impractical Jokers. You need to start watching them. So I, I started watching Impractical Jokers for like two weeks to get ready for this thing, man. And then uh, I'm coming in there and I uh, I start the show and there's Cody Rhodes. And, uh, you know, we go through and we do the hot ones thing, but I don't think he was expecting me to be like sort of what I was because uh, he kept complimenting <laughs> me on like my body and like my presentation and stuff like that. <laughs> and then and then at the end of it, he was like, hey, man, we got to get you down here sometime. Uh, you know, we'll be in touch and we'll get you down here. And they never when they invited me out there, they never told me I was wrestling or anything like that. I just sort of uh, brought my gear with me because you always bring your gear with you. And uh, yeah, Smart. I got there and I was on the card. I was the very last match. Me and Brian Cage, we wrestled at like 4 a.m. And it was uh, it was it was great. <laughs> yes, always bring your gear. That is yeah. that is the, yeah. the wrestler's rule that is out there. Uh, and I know those tapings at Dark were, were extremely, extremely long. Did, did you, you know, you said Miro was right there. Did you talk to any of the wrestlers? Did you talk to Tony Khan about anything uh, happening in, in AEW? But like, kind of, who'd you interact with backstage at AEW? I, I'm going to be honest. Like, I got lucky because, like, uh, it just so happened the other Buffalo guys were there. So it was just really me, Kevin Blackwood, uh, Puff, and Daniel Garcia. We kind of we kind of hung out, to our, you know, with our, our own crew. We interacted with everybody there. I mean, uh, Miro was a real big fan of me eating, you know, um, who else was in the room? Tony Khan was there. He was a big fan of it. Um, he was around like, I, I don't know, pretty much the whole crew. Like That's nobody, no, the, the, here's the thing about AEW that I didn't expect is that everybody there is like really cool. So you're just like backstage and everybody's just like talking. Uh, everybody's gathered around the TV, watching each other's matches. Everybody's like cheering for other people. Like it, it feels like a real, real cool, like brotherhood there. I felt very welcomed, you know, for the one day I was there. <laughs> <laughs>
that's very cool. Who, who were you always a fan of wrestling, or and if so, like who were some of your favorite wrestlers like growing up? Yeah, so like uh, when I was four, my my dad was in the military. And we were in Germany, and we didn't uh, we didn't get a lot of TV channels. Like he had four options: They're the AFN networks, especially you know what the army gives you. So I didn't I didn't have like cartoons or anything. Uh, and then I just discovered wrestling, and it was like the most craziest thing I had seen at the time. You know, with the you know the gear, the way people look, the face painting, the big big men fighting and stuff like that. So like the, the second I saw that, that was everything to me. Like wrestling was just number one, like my entire life so it's just like as soon as i saw it was hooked uh as far as my favorite wrestlers growing up like my favorite bar none's the rock uh if i had to like somebody asked me this on reddit the other day if i had to do a top four it'd be the rock uh chris jericho scott hall and kurt henning so good top four that's, that's yeah that's yeah that's very um, good top four uh you i, I want to switch over to, to pwe because you headlined the show th- this yeah. past weekend against hot dog starks and you lost to a hot dog. Yeah. Well, this I don't know. If, a... I don't know if the Undertaker <laughs> is a hot dog. Like, let's, See, this let's... is a big controversy. <laughs> I've seen this controversy that a hot dog has, has defeated you. So you're claiming oh, yeah. that the, the, the Undertaker not an actual hot dog, and you're still yeah. undefeated. It's it's not alive. Have you ever seen a dead hot dog? I don't think so. So I don't. That's, I don't, I, that's not a hot dog. That's that's a Undertaker. <laughs> that's a, another being, brother. That's fair. Well, that's valid. <laughs> what what was it uh you know man eventing the the pwe show and you know wrestling on iwtv and going up against hot dog starks it, it's sick man because it's like this company believes in you enough to like give you the main event of their show that's on iwtv uh they've they've been behind us the entire time let us build this feud i mean we we got this feud over on espn man like hot dog starks was there and in 2020 you know calls to me my personal record like he showed up and got in my face on on espn so it's just kind of it's just kind of cool for me and him to 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 like uh have this like epic feud and and like a company behind it really believe in it really promote it and just like give us that opportunity and i uh it's it's a definitely a special memory for me even though i, I lost unfortunately to a guy who <laughs> is not a hot dog <laughs> what, what what would be some other uh memories that really stand out from uh really from your pro wrestling or from your eating career uh i would say um <clears throat> in pro wrestling really early on i think on like match 16 or something uh the school i trained for grapplers anonymous they they were hosting a show it was one of their first shows and they they trusted me in the semi-main against daniel garcia and like you know like daniel garcia should be wrestling uh i don't know the best people in the world like he is right now he should have been doing that you know years ago um but like to, to to have that sort of trust to be in there with that guy, that one always is pretty special to me. And then, you know, of course, the one on AEW with, with Brian Cage, just to be able to go out there and and do what I do and be myself. And uh, they let me do that. And Brian Cage, you know, worked with me. So like those are probably the t- top three. Uh, as far as eating goes, my my best memory in eating, <clears throat> like I mentioned earlier, you got to. Uh, you got to qualify to make it to Nathan. So I qualified in 2013. I qualified in 2014 and I didn't qualify in 2015, 2016 and 2017. I actually lost seven qualifiers and most of them I lost by like one or two hot dogs. So I was, I was really down. And then in 2018, I was like, you know what? Like I will never ever watch this freaking contest at home again. Like there's no way I will never not qualify. And I went out to the first qualifier of the year and I hit it out of the park and I qualified and I've qualified every year since then. So that, that Nashville qualifier really, 
is uh is really a special place for me what 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 made you uh turn the corner or get into that next gear to where you like now you just you just hit that next gear and never look back i moved to buffalo man moving okay. to buffalo changed my life to be honest with you i just sort of I, I don't know i just hit a point in my life where i was like you know what it's like it's like now or never and it was now <laughs> uh i mean what was it about buffalo that that, that sparked sort of sort of a change I, I don't know. It's just like I was in a good atmosphere, man. I was uh, I moved up here because my, my best friend from the army was here. So it's it real nice to have like because, uh, uh, you know, the brotherhood of the army is, is something special. So to have somebody like that and uh, to be able to train at a, at a school that I was getting to train at, man, like I, I was just excited to go train with those guys every Monday, you know, Wednesday, like just to learn from Brandon Thurston and ask him questions about wrestling and stuff like that. Uh luckily got a good job you know met my wife like it just it just sort of all happened for me in, in buffalo so uh you mentioned being a big fan of ice cream so when you're not competitively eating ice cream what is your favorite ice cream flavor uh favorite ice cream flavor that's that's a that's a hard one um i'll give you my favorite ice cream which is fish food so if i had to give you a food it would be ben and jerry's fish food uh okay. trying to trying to trying to think of a flavor man i don't See, I think the he, Ben and Jerry stuff like kind of counts as a flavor. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll just stick with fish food. Okay, what what were you gonna say? Because I cut you off, and I apologize for that. I, you know, funny enough, I, I really like key lime pie. So, like a good key lime okay. pie flavored ice cream. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, 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 what's your overall favorite food? Uh, chicken wings. So chicken my wings. my is a good place to live. Then, right? Yeah, yeah, that's probably why I turned it all around, man. It's because I got those high quality wings in me. But uh, chicken wings is probably my favorite food, and believe it or not, I, I would say hot dogs are probably my second favorite food. Like, I, I won't eat them right after the Fourth of July, but come come December, I'll have some barbecue dogs. You know? Okay, okay. Yeah. Do, do you have any um? Do you have any favorite like uh, eating YouTubers that that you like to watch? Uh, favorite eating YouTuber I like to watch is uh, probably Beard Meets Food, and that's because. Yep beard is a is a really good he's so artistic he's so like his videos are so well shot he's such a good character uh he's such a good person he's very entertaining uh he's very good at eating it's just like it's it's the top notch to me it's like the the premier content for for eating like you we all have to get on his level of production well he's got the high production on youtube and he's also i believe the number one ranked eater in his country and also competes yeah. in nathan's um on the fourth of july so he's he's a guy who's really doing it all mm -hmm. um you know i are you familiar with a guy called brandon the garbage disposal clark yeah i am actually <laughs> okay i was just okay that guy fascinates me because he seems to he he seems like the most fringe part of this community where like i think he can out eat anybody but mm -hmm. like instead he's like like literally swallowing hot dogs to like mess with people and stuff like that but yeah. i think it's entertaining but you never see him in like the competitions or anything no nah, man that brother's a good eater like uh no doubt about it but it's it's just like uh well, you, there's so many people who are on youtube eating a lot of food so if you could find another niche for yourself like why not go go that route yeah no i agree i'm i'm a big fan like i like all those guys like uh i think i initially discovered maybe like randy santel years ago and um and of course there was of course matt stoney through the competitive and through youtube and uh joel hansen has had a big come up uh model versus food all those guys you like joel i like joel yeah do you yeah, I've I've done some traveling with Joe, so there's there's been some road stories where me and him have oh. 
go to like a city and knock out like uh five or six challenges in a weekend man joe joe is a warrior that dude is yeah. just, he's great I, that's so cool i i would love to hear more stories about the two of you guys because yeah that guy's very impressive he, he's one of the like he, he's a model like he's a literal model and yeah. he can eat like so much volume but it's, i mean it's it's impressive that's really cool that you know each other I, I tell you this, if Jill signed with major league eating, he'd be a top five eater. Like he's, he's legitimately one of the best eaters in the world. And uh, it's unfair that he looks as handsome as he does while he's doing it. <laughs> well, it's funny when you watch this video, sometimes like those women will be walking by the table and just like, you know I've seen I mean? it, man. I've been on the table. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very handsome guy. No doubt about yeah. it. Man. It's funny. I never get to talk about this stuff with anybody. So I'm, I'm just happy you even know what I'm talking about right now. So. Okay, sure. Uh, last one here for you. Coolest thing you got in your room? Coolest thing I got in my room. All right. Let's see. I'm going to go. I just grabbed my Waluigi that I have hanging up oh, on my nice. walls. So I got a, got a Waluigi as my favorite Mario character. It's, it's probably, I, I, you know, like I got a hot dog trophy. I don't know. I kind of panicked on this one. It's the first thing I saw. But like, <laughs> Wait, I sometimes we catch sick. people off guard. Some people, yeah. some people are like, because we ask everybody. And yeah, some people are caught off guard. And some people are like, oh, I got this thing right here. So yeah. It's a nice little capper to to the, the interview of all this. But Waluigi, that's a, that's a good Mario character. That's one of the kids' favorites. That's, I like that's, it. That's my go-to I, Mario Kart I, character. You know what? I've actually got, <laughs> you can't, I, I don't want to, this will take too much time, but I got some Mario stuff in here. got a big Mario in here. Sick. Jensen, Jensen's yeah. got like giant of everything. Giant figures. I have a, a life-size uh, Sonic, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Which, oh, um, man. That's yeah. Yeah. He wears my, I don't have, I didn't know what to do. I have one of those Papapkas that like, uh, that Khabib Nurmagomedov wears. Yeah. And um, I didn't have anywhere to put it, so I just put it on my giant Sonic, and he just like hangs out in our living room, and we call him Sonic Nomura Madoff. So, <laughs> um, yeah. but uh, but uh, last question I've got for you, Ronnie: um, goals in in eating and in 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 pro wrestling, and in, in kind of a perfect world uh, when it's kind of all said and done. Like, what are the things that you wanted to have accomplished? Uh, and eating is actually really simple. Like I just want to eat 40 hot dogs on the 4th of July. Like that's, that's been my goal this entire time. Like even like my, my first like Nathan's, it was like, what's your goal is 40. It's always been 40. I've always, I've always known I can eat 40. I can't eat 40 in 10 minutes, but I'm going to one day. Like I'm going to, I'm going to get there. No doubt about it. Uh, as far as, as far as wrestling goes, man, I would just, I don't know. I guess my goal would just be doing it more. I just like to, to be wrestling every weekend, man. Like it's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like being in a ring. There's, there's nothing like entertaining the fans. And, uh, I, I don't know. I would like to not be able to have a full-time job and just be a wrestler. And that's pretty much my goal. But, you know, does that goal mean I sign a contract or, or what? I, I don't care, man. As long as I'm living and, and having fun with wrestling, that's, that's where I want to be. Awesome. Ronnie, we I do I do have one more question actually. I don't know Shoot. if you you saw Raw on Fourth of July. Did you see their, this hot dog eating contest they put on, and Otis is throwing up out yeah. there? Like, what do you make of, of something like? This? I, I saw the highlights of it, man, and I don't I don't know. It was just sort of like one of those things that like I I wish they would just reach out to me. Like I could have really spiced that up. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you could have yeah. you could have you could have flew me out there for that and. And it would have been nice. Like, I, I don't know. Like, uh, it, it kind of sucks when people uh, take a take a jab at our sport like that. So, I, I don't know. Just ask me about it next time, I guess, WWE. <laughs> like, I, I, mean, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Bruce, I, I would have been. 
I've been able to give a lot of cool tips and uh, probably made that better. Even if they didn't want to feature me on it, like I could have, I could have just showed them how to make it look like a better presentation. I guess I don't know. Bruce, next time, next Fourth of July, hit up Megabyte Ronnie. Let him let him consult on your your terrible eating contest that you guys do. Megabyte <laughs> Ronnie, we appreciate we appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you at. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com uh, forward slash Megabyte Ronnie or just at Megabyte Ronnie. I don't know how many of you guys know about forward slashes out there. Uh, you can find <laughs> you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Megabyte Ronnie or I'm sure if you just type in there Megabyte Ronnie, you'll find me. Uh, if you want to support me, the, the best thing you could do is just head on over to my YouTube and, and like it and subscribe to it. And uh, yeah, that would be great. Again, thank you again for joining us. We'll have to have you back. I know Jensen has a million yes. more uh, questions yes. about competitive eating. I, I and- can do an entire hour-long interview <laughs> about just the the garbage disposal, Brandon Clark. I've heard, like <laughs> alone. So yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'll be back anytime you guys want. Awesome. We, we we appreciate it, man. Thank you again for joining us, guys. We'll be right back here on the spotlight. We're back. Thank you again to Megabyte Ronnie for joining us on the show. Big shout out to him. Much appreciated. Uh, Again, give him a follow at Megabyte Ronnie um, on Twitter and all social media. Great guy. Great guy. He had a Buffalo Sabres hat on. We talked a little bit before off air uh, about his hockey fandom. He's trying to get in it. So good luck to, to getting into hockey, Megabyte Ronnie. You could get into it. By supporting the 2022 Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. Guys, we appreciate everyone hanging out with us for a couple hours here. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Everyone can go over to Fightful Overbooked. Uh, we had a new day after Dynamite coming up this uh, later on this afternoon with Will Washington reviewing last night's Dynamite. Um, we have new shows. We had FMC on, on Monday. We had the, the Lambs dropping the scoops on Tuesday. The series officially debuts on Saturday. We've got some other new shows in the works. So everyone go over to fightfuloverbook.com, support, help us out, leave us some thumbs up on some videos. Caden is doing uh, some shorts over there. You can watch Connor Casey put SP3 in a body bag on the show. So everyone go do that. Uh, you, can go, you can follow me on Twitter, at Jeremy Lambert, 88. Give me a like on my Jim Ross acclaimed rap video that I'm very proud of do that again we appreciate it everybody go to fightful.com go to fightfulselect.com sign up subscribe sean ross sap's got all the exclusives the news over there things like that we'll be back next thursday with a new episode bye everybody bye